Welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. North-South Connection, welcome back to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0, episode 15. Uh... Kind of off the kilter episode here as we uh, wind down 2020. So I figured we bring you the Wrestling Observer Awards for 2022. And of course, we got here is Mike Rossi. Mike, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Uh, I'm glad that we're doing it in a little different format this year. I think this will be a lot easier to consume. Um, but really cool year when when I started looking at stuff. So looking forward to talking about this. And I, I'd be remiss to not say this is WrestleMania 15. Uh, so. Uh, uh, Butterbean brought, defeated Bart Hart in like thir- Bart Gunn, I should say, in about 35 seconds with uh, Vinny Pazienza as a special guest referee. Match of the year, right there. Yeah, sure. Worst WrestleMania of all time, pretty much. And uh, speaking of worst, Rocco, what's up, dude? Not much, man. It's exciting to do a best of list when most places do their best ofs in like the beginning of December, but we waited to the end so we could be complete. Yeah, for the most part, for the most part. And uh, Keithy, your first time here on Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. How's it going, my friend? Oh, it is going just fabulous. I am excited to be here. And I hope I don't irritate you all the way that uh, Shawn Michaels irritated Akeem at WrestleMania 5. <laughs> well, uh, 10 years too late for that, or 10 episodes too late. <laughs> whoever, whoever you want to put that. But... <laughs> Guys, we have, what, 16, uh, 25 categories here. We have 16 Class B categories, and we have seven Class A categories. We'll go through those as we get going. But first, we're going to bring you the Class B categories. And instead of hammering and hogging and going through it like crazy, we decided just to kind of break it down for four each Class B categories. Starting with you, Keithy. Mm-hmm. Who is your most overrated and underrated wrestler for 2022 well i feel as if uh the most overrated wrestler i think is came out with a lot of mystery and a lot of high expectations and i think met them but then kind of really didn't do much and that's hook from aew so taz's son hook uh i just think that he was kind of not i want to say he's a flash in the pan only because i do think he has talent and he is capable of becoming something but i don't know he kind of just i don't know he's kind of fallen off the planet it seems like and not really done much after his pretty high high hopes debut and as far as underrated and i will say this until he is given a real push and that's ricochet i think that ricochet is probably the most underutilized underrated and underappreciated performer on the wwe roster right now yeah, a little resurgence for Ricochet coming under Triple H's thumb. So we'll mm-hmm. see if that conti- continues for 2023. But I think those are two pretty, two pretty good answers. Did either one of you guys have anything to add to that or even subtract? I mean, I've been on this podcast about, and uh, extolling the virtue of Ricochet for a long time, so I agree with that a lot. And uh, I think an Orange Cassidy belongs in that uh, mix, but I'll talk about him later. So. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. See, now, you could take Hook and throw him in another category, and it would make sense, just as much sense as it made in this category. So that's kind of an interesting take and a twist, as in he is kind of just the king of the squash matches right now, and it's all presentation, it's all hype, and that would kind of fall under overrated. So interesting. 
And where does Rhonda fall? <laughs> does anyone rate her highly anymore? Can she be overrated? Because everyone's given up on her other outside the eyes of Vince McMahon or whoever. I still I still see the potential in what she's going to be at by Mania season. So I, I kind of I, there's a lot of areas I wanted to mention Rhonda when we started going through these awards, but I strayed away from it because I always found something worse. But I do think that uh, we will get a little bit of a heat up for her before she ultimately may go away forever. So uh, speaking, put my little thumbnail on that. I think that that would c- cause her to be overrated as when it would take a Becky Lynch or a Charlotte Flair to heat her up again. So uh, sink, she can't really swim on her own or swim with lesser. So, yeah, I think that would be a quite the uh, overrated category for sure. That's not un- that's a, a dark horse to take that for the readers anyways, in my opinion. I, I think call. I think that I honestly I loved her I loved her first run her first yeah. run where she mm-hmm. was there every week and really seemed to be enjoying it and really seemed to be improving I haven't she's just been terrible since she like this <laughs> second run I mean it's just not even noteworthy I mean I don't know I mean the biggest thing about her was that she lost to Liv Morgan <laughs> she doesn't even seem like she wants to be there honestly no, they haven't really helped her either. Like she's been like in these smaller feuds, like lower mid card type feuds. They've kept yeah. her away from the big name. So she's not someone that's going to elevate other people. Like, you know what I mean? She needs to be in a match in a match or a feud with somebody that is like a seasoned professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't really help live. She's not really doing a great job. Actually, she might. I shouldn't say that the Raquel stuff might turn out into a good thing for Raquel. But, yeah, I think overrated for the calendar year of 2022 would probably be a good call with her. Cool. All right, Rossi, while you're on the mic, let's let's get the best high flyer, the best technical wrestler and the best brawler. All right, so best brawler, I went with Sheamus. Um, wanted to give Sheamus an award just because he had a little bit of a career rejuvenation this year. Um, obviously, like if you look at full body of work, if we consider Gunther a brawler, he probably should have won this over Sheamus, but this is kind of like a career achievement award to me <laughs> right now. So uh, Gunther matches were awesome. He crushed it in war games. Like He was super over. He's been super over since the Clash of the Castle. Um, we got to see one of his matches here in Worcester with Gunther, the second one. Um, and then the next night they did that Extreme Rules match, which was also crazy. Um, he's also really done a good job at elevating, um, you know, his stablemates in um, Butch, who had a stupid name when he came up. Now people are cool with it. Um, and Ridge Holland, who almost killed Big E, and now people root for him. So he's done a really good job with, with those two guys as well. And um, his matches just feel like legit fights, and I feel like he deserved this award. Um, best high flyer. Um, took me a little bit to think of this, but then once I landed on Ray Phoenix, I felt like he had to win. Um, guy's electric in the ring. He's clean. Um, he really makes that six-man team go. And that's saying things when it's as good of a six-man team as that is. Um, he had a five-star match with Vikingo and AAA. He had a five-star against the Bucks and Dynamite. He had a five-star trios against uh, United Empire. Um, really just excels in those six-man matches. He's definitely the cleanest high flyer in the game. Um, Ricochet, honorable mention. Um, I mean, most years you would say Osprey, but he's changed that format. So I think that's a Ray Phoenix award for future years as well. And then best technical wrestler up in the air between Zack Sabre and Danielson here, who's kind of the two that have dominated this award for the last 10 years. Um, But I went with Zack Sabre. The first six months of his year were amazing. He had a great tag match at the Dome, which feels like 17 years ago. 
Um, in New Japan Cup, he had like a four to three, four and three quarter to a five star match like four times. Um, had an awesome title match with Okada out of that. Um, his Forbidden Door match with Claudio was a perfect opponent to introduce Claudio to that audience. Um, and then after that in the G1, he had bangers with Tanahashi, Kenta, Hanare. Um, overall body of work in 2022, I think, was a little bit better than Danielson, who kind of laid back in the weeds and had like a banger on TV like once a month or so. Um, but he's one of those guys that, I mean, it's going to be one of these two until one of them or they both retire. Let's put it that way. Awesome. All right. Uh, any kickback from you guys there? No, I agree with uh, I, I agree with that assessment completely. Um, I I do love Seamus. I think he's been around a long time. Uh, definitely brought it back this year. Um, I do like that, you know. It's funny you mentioned the Rich Holland and the Butch thing because those are both two things that I thought of when that first happened. I went, this guy almost killed two people because I think I think Rich Holland almost killed uh, didn't he almost kill Ricochet I think as well and uh, yeah so and then Butch is I mean I was a huge fan um, of uh, oh geez what was Butch's name back then <laughs> Pete Dunn yeah so I was a huge fan of his when he was in NXT so. I was like, oh, Jesus. And and then to hear that the real reason is because Rich Holland's name is Luke. And so that's why they gave him the name Butch. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> is that true? That's what that's what they that's what the rumor is that Vince said. Oh, let's make him Butch. A great Vince McMahon humor coming that's, through again. He right? hangs out with a guy named Luke. <laughs> good shit, pal. That's good shit, pal. <laughs> Brawler, uh, do you think Seamus has enough love and. Gunther has enough love to steal this from John Moxley the last two years winning this. Uh, we'll see. You know, in brawling style, I think Kevin Owens should be in the mix, too. Just having that brawl with Stone Cold Steve Austin on a whim at WrestleMania. Just a little, hope a little. Hopefully gets a few votes for that one, too. But I kind of do think it should be Sheamus or Gunther. Those guys just go out there and maul, and it's well-deserved, too. But, hell, this is a really strong category for this year. I think Moxley had some matches where he could really, I mean, we'll talk about those later yes. possibly too, and he had some really good examples. I just wanted to say real quick, uh, women's style, I feel like Becky doesn't get enough credit for being a brawler. Uh, yeah. She kind of is one of the few that really pulls out a brawling style every once in a while, so I don't know. I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it's like you don't really get the necessarily the high flyer, you don't get the full mix in a women's division sometimes, you know, So, but mm-hmm. she's one of the few that, and I could say an Asuka, but she's almost more of a one of the better technical people. And a high flyer in a women's division, geez, I don't even know. Casey Cotanzaro in NXT is probably the one with the most potential, right? Yeah, potentially. Uh, and then speaking of last year's awards, let me uh, put a bow on Keith. Keithy, with your categories, most overrated last year was Evil, and most underrated last year was Ricochet for the second year in a row. So. Oh, that's a riot. There you go. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, I mean, it is a little bit of a – I hope that – I don't know what it was about – I mean, I think most of those guys that came up from NXT – during the Vince era would just it was it's the same thing with like guys that came from WCW like I didn't make them so I'm not gonna push them and you know I I hope that there's I hope that that's different now I mean it seems to be so that's good yep and then the Ray Phoenix for the best high flyer last year Moxley for the best brawler and Danielson for the best technical mm. that's last year's yeah so all right so let's Could be a repeat <laughs> Well, yeah, no, it probably it probably will be. All right, so Rocco, worst match of the year. What do you got? <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry about that. I uh, I didn't. I just kind of picked this match because I thought it'd be interesting to think about. And I'm not going for the match that was whatever star rating you want to give it. I mean, the worst match of the year was probably Vince and fucking uh, McAfee. Matt McAfee, right? <laughs> that was the dumbest shit ever, right? But 
I'm going to go for something that was supposed to be really good. And it's it was the worst main event this year in the WWE, and it was Riddle and Rollins in the mm. fucking in the pit. I just I, I I rewatched it today. It didn't land for me when it happened. I rewatched it today, and just everything was off in this match from this blood feud with Riddle and the way he acted. And like that's always the thing with the old school guys. Like why doesn't the guy run to the ring? Well, sometimes he should, right? And sometimes just he be pissed. I don't know if Riddle can have. I don't know if his face moves enough to sell different emotions. It might just be a thing with his face. But he just he's going to the ring. He's bopping around. I know that's his personality. But this was a major blood feud. This was the blow off, right? And then you had Cormier, who all of a sudden we're supposed to care about. And just the match was, it, it starts off as a UFC fight until it's not. And that's the biggest problem with UFC-based stuff, where it starts off that way and then it goes away. And they're doing leg kicks, and then you stop them. And Riddle mounts them, and then he pulls off of them for no reason when he's an MMA guy, so you should ground and pound them and do all this stuff. And just at this point, Rollins was still in this weird position, and the crowd was like super dead, and they couldn't get the crowd in. I just think this match was just wrong from the conception. Mm. And there was one major, major part. And there's a, well, anytime Rollins talks this much in a match, it's going to suck because that guy's fucking so annoying. But there was a moment where they're both on top of the cage thingy, right? And Rollins picks him up. And moments earlier, he was trying to knock him off into the middle of the ring, off the thing. But instead, he picks him up for a powerbomb, gingerly walks across the railing, and lightly throws him into the cage. Like, this is a blood feud, and you've tried to murder this guy multiple times. And you didn't just throw him into the fucking middle of the ring. It's one of those weird disconnects, like Triple H swinging his fucking sledgehammer like a fucking idiot that no one would ever do. That just takes me so far out. And there was nothing they could do. The crowd died at that moment, too. And if you watch it back, you'll see that it just was a dud. It was the worst main event this year. And I just, oh, it was such a, a bummer of a way to end a feud that had some cool stuff in it. And I just... It, it just failed on every account. You could blame the fact that why it was supposed to be there, but bullshit... Stone Cold, and if Stone Cold was in a main event, he wouldn't give a fuck if some guy's coming out at the end and it still would have gotten over. Look at multiple main events that ended with Undertaker crucifying people at the end and people knew, whatever. I just think it was the worst uh, fucking main event this year. So it had it was supposed to be great, and it was a bomb. Well, it didn't take long to rock for Rocco to give a shit take, but... uh, That is not a shit take. That is... A mo- if it's something supposed to be the main event of a... It's, wor- it's more egregious to have a shitty match or a boring match, and that's the worst mistake a thing could be, is mm. boring. And it was mm. boring. Like, a movie could be technically inept and have a silly, bad acting or whatever, but if it's not boring, then it's still good. Like, boring is the worst thing you could do, and that match was just boring. After all the shit they did, it was such a letdown. I don't know. I can't accept – well, I can – it's your opinion, but I don't know if I can accept that being the worst match of the year when it was a – disappointingly sure but the action was completely fine you know in this it was a spectacle of the first fight pit on the main roster and then cormier was the weird part you got bray showing up all that stuff i understand all the sentiment but it just it just feels a little strong i mean we watch stuff for different reasons and i'm like if i'm watching if you're watching a movie that's supposed to be a big oscar winner or a big prestige movie and it's like this is fucking boring then that's worse than being a, a cheesy action flick that kicks ass the whole fucking movie to me and that's how i look at stuff i, I view stuff that way you know it's all it's a different uh, way we look yeah yeah i just I, if we were gonna go down that road i would say either rumble was worse uh, more disappointing than that fight pit match i will but, say uh, i was not subjecting myself to two hours of that year's rumble because that was yeah. a fucking tough year for rumble so you uh-huh. might be right but these are this is the stuff i realized the other thing too that i want to say is you know extreme rules also had that cross and mcintyre match which that was a strap match and that was fucking terrible 
as well. Um, the, the anticipation for that match was not high. Though. Yeah, no, I hear you. People kind of thought it was going to suck going in, and it was kind of in the death spot after that awesome opener. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was, you know, I we'll talk about it more in a little bit, but I mean, that was definitely a show that I think was just became the Bray Wyatt show, and it kind of fucked off all the energy for that match at like the tail end of it, you know? So it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. So it's funny that Bray Wyatt sucked that out because 2021, Randy Orton versus The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. 2022, The Fiend versus Braun Strowman. 2019, Seth Rollins versus The Fiend. So now we're talking about the worst, and we keep bringing up The Fiend. Shut up, Alexa. Maybe maybe that's why he isn't having a match on TV in 2022, because that way he gets a year off from winning that award. Unless if they could put that gender match in from last night from MSG real quick. But yeah, this is uh, this is the Bray Wyatt Award. And luckily for 2022, he's off pretty much. (laughs) I, I, I mean, I am you will never find any other. I mean, on the top of my list of least interesting people of all time in anything ever. And that includes like real sports athletes, like real sports athletes and movie Bray Wyatt's at the top of the list. Like, as far as I'm concerned, we should build a time machine, go back and kick IRS in the nuts repeatedly (laughs) until he cannot produce Bray Wyatt because he is the worst thing to wrestling ever. Uh, That's just my opinion. So yeah, uh, that match I can agree with because he came out at the end (laughs) or all the shenanigans happened at the end of that. Cool. All right. Uh, either one of you guys have anything to add towards that? I can't necessarily think of one. I don't necessarily think it's a super bad year. There wasn't like any weird pandemic match that kind of pissed everyone off. But, you know, no, yeah. I mean, the only thing is, is to go back to the to the McAfee McMahon. I mean, I knew it was going to just be a shit show to begin with. Uh, and so I don't even I mean, that's one of the things when when kind of going through this, I, I, you know, project, I, I didn't want to really take anybody that was like an extreme part timer or even a geriatric fool, you know, because I didn't want to do that. So, yeah. no, nothing really else other than that. I mean, that was that was a pitiful example of what to put towards the end of WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking I was thinking about that match, too, like even like everything that went to do with that match. Right. And I laughed like belly laughed that entire time watching so Vince, bad, though. <laughs> watching Vince hit like the bad stunner and stuff. Yeah. So, I, so I literally I loved it. Like I love I was so entertained for that 10 or 15 oh, minutes that so that entire bad. thing was going on. Yeah. that I can't call it the worst. That's what know? I'm saying. It's kind of like it was such a fucking shit show that it's definitely not as bad as like something <laughs> you wanted to be good. Right. right. <laughs> All right. So the best week. The best slash worst weekly TV show. That's on me, guys. All right. So the worst, uh, just Rampage, just from the the dullness of it, the the ham-fisted feuds that aren't really feuds and just matches thrown together into it and just being so skippable and the worst time slot of the year and just the decreased interest throughout the year. Um, it's just death, and it's, it's, it's pretty skippable for the most part. So in a year where... Uh, you can have uh, there's so much TV to watch and might as well. Mm. This is probably like the fifth show from the top and it's just super skippable. And uh, the best would have to be either. It depends what you're looking for. It would have to be if you're looking for in-ring consistency, it would be dynamite. Um, if that's your flavor or just overall, just overall, uh, probably acceptance, maybe or overall consistency. It would or overall impactful feel would probably have to be 
SmackDown. Uh, it may be Raw if if it was two hours, but it's not, and three hours is a slog. So uh, I would go SmackDown is probably the best, and then Rampage is the worst, or I would go Dynamite's the best, or if you really want to have to sit down and watch Raw for, for three hours, that might be the worst, too, either. And NXT is just so mid that it doesn't even deserve a sniff at either, really. So uh, out of the three, out of the five big ones, that's kind of where I floated. What do you guys got any say there? I kind of agree with you, man. I mean, post, uh, you know, the the pre-Triple uh, H Raws were pretty tough for a while, man. Yeah. Like, that was a mm-hmm. long three hours. Absolutely. And uh, Dynamite, like, it's, yeah, it's a shame. No, I said Dynamite. I agree with the, I agree with the, that part of it, too. Um, once SmackDown got rid of Baron Corbin, man, that show just is not, there's not a skippable moment on it. And that's yeah. really the definition of it, right? Yeah. Of, like, a great right. show. Like, it's just plus, so fucking tight. Plus when they took, um... What's his name? They took Baron Corbin's boy off Madcap. Then oh, it mm. became more watchable. Whoa, 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 whoa. It, it, it was so watchable for the first six months where it featured Madcap. He just I couldn't take the Corbin of it all. It was the one bad thing on a great, on like a really cool show. So, yeah, yeah, I can't I, take I, I can't take the Baron Corbin slander. I, I have to react. It's like it's an animal, <laughs> like animal kickback. Oh god, how did I wind up with you two guys? I have a feeling that because they're on Fox. And they know that they have to do well in order to stay on. I mean, I know Fox signed the contract and everything, but like there's so much shit that could be easily be moved. Like Fox could yeah. call them tomorrow and say, I mean, they're already on Friday nights anyway. But like they could be like, hey, guess what? You're going on like Saturday night at, you know, three o'clock in the morning from now on. I mean, I think they always try to produce a good show. And that's why SmackDown is watchable. And it's it is it's two hours is enough. Um, and yeah, Raw's, you can't, I can't do, I can't do Raw. I can't do Raw just because every 50, every commercial break they come back from, they say, oh, what you missed earlier. The only good thing about Raw now is that you don't have Michael Cole going, you got to be kidding me every five minutes. So that's, (laughs) that's the only thing that's, and he does it on fucking SmackDown. So it's just, you know. So my thing is with Raw, my thing with Raw is if you were to take all these shows and make them the best hour. I think Raw would maybe possibly win there, but it's just yeah, because they still advance the best storylines on yes. Raw. Yes, There's, it's the heartbeat. It's the most storylines. It's mm-hmm. it's everything, but it's that that one good hour is stretched out till three. That one good feud is stretched out to like a feud and a half because yeah. they have they have to fill out so much fucking volume. So now we're in a contract year. We'll see where we uh, kind of shape and, and I- move. It. And I don't, and I know, I don't want to get off topic, but I don't think there's a lot that they need to do to improve Monday Night Raw. Like there really isn't, and even still have it be three hours. It's just you have to break it up very. Like there needs to be maybe the middle hour is like dedicated specifically for like a tag team match and a women's match, and that's it. And then you have the first hour and the last hour you're doing something that like is is kind of related. And then that way, you know, you have the first hour is you open it up with it with over what the main event's going to be. And then the last hour is the main event. I mean, it's like, you can do that, but it's just way too much and way. And it's just always going back to what fucking happened at the beginning. <laughs> it's so annoying. Yeah. So raw is on quite the heater here since 2014. Yeah. They have been the worst TV show of the year <laughs> and uh, the best TV show. I'm pretty sure it was dynamite. I just, all right. So I'm pretty sure it's dynamite is what I'm, is what I'm saying. We'll come yeah. I'll, I'll come across it as I grow. All right, guys, so uh, the next category we got here, Keithy, is promoter slash booker of the year. What do you got, Keithy, for 2022? 
Okay, so this is a little bit of a curveball, and I apologize if this is uh, really irritating, but it has to do with an independent promotion. And uh, am I allowed to throw an independent promotion out there? Yeah, why not? All right, I think uh, Chase Del Monte for Chaotic Wrestling uh, is probably the best promoter. Uh, So he he took over uh, uh, Chaotic right right around, either right before or right around when the pandemic happened. And... I had been I've been a fan of theirs for years and have gone to a lot of their events prior to and after. And the booking of the show has just been phenomenal since he's taken over as the as the booker and the promoter. Uh, talking about just like the innovative matches that they've had, the storylines that they've created, bringing like lengthy title reigns. I mean, we're talking like lengthy, you know, I think their tag team championship has been held by the same team for over a year, which is just almost unheard of when you're having like a weekly or a monthly show. And uh, it's just been, it's been so good. They're, they've integrated like women into like, you know, matches with men and it's hasn't been a total train wreck, which is great. And also um, the fact that he runs like the training school and everything like that, he's developing the new talent that clearly is one day going to be on the main rosters of either AEW or WWE, or even, you know, soaring in Japan, doing something like that. So it's just, it's incredible. All right, Keithy, I don't know if you're going to win this vote, but, you know, we're from Massachusetts also, but we're beyond wrestling kind of guys as yeah. we're central mass here. But, you know, I've heard nothing but great things about Kayodake. I'm probably going to have to go to a show with you sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. They made a lot of the guys, they trained a lot of the guys that ended up being big, big time beyond guys. Absolutely. Dijak, Carmelo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sasha even started there. You got Kofi. You got Ivar. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else am I missing here? Keith? Tommaso. Tommaso. Tommaso was in there. I mean, Anthony Green, August Gray. I mean, he didn't. You yep. know, he didn't end my up cousin. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. Um, but you know, on a on a on a national stage, national scale here. On a national stage, it's always going to be Triple H for me. I think that's that that's the question I want to kind of go to you guys here. Um, I love the chaotic love, but bounce off here. Booker of the year is 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 there going to be another banner in Jacksonville, or is Triple H going to put a banner up in the PC? <laughs> and can you believe that's a fucking thing? <laughs> I think I, I think Triple H did enough in the second half of the year to win this award. Um, and, you know, the, I'll give Tony Khan a little bit of, of credit at times. Like he does, he books some really cool shit sometimes, but he also books some fucking dumbass shit on the same shows, which I mean, obviously triple H does as well, but I feel like Khan gets into like these monthly, like, like, I don't, I don't know. Like he falls in a crater sometimes that he can't book his way out of. And triple H never really does that. Um, so I think, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give, an award like this to a Tony Khan. Um, and this just sounds like I'm hating on him, but I feel like he lost control of the, of the everything this year and, and several different occasions. And he has his great shows. He has his shitty shows, but that's where I think triple H has to win this because look at what, how much more appetizing the, the WWE shows were, especially the, the PLEs when he was in there versus when Vince was there. Um, I think you got to give triple H a nod here and it could be something he wins for many years in a row too. All right, so Khan won it in 19, promoter of the year in 19 when he started in October. I understand they had a, a pay-per-view or two before then. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that you, you give or take a little bit there. But I don't know how he wins promoter of the year when promoter promotion means money. 
and they're in the red. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's just semantics or whatever. I mean, stupid question. You're actually, you're reading off the actual Observer newsletter. Yes. Like, okay, so this isn't like what you've done no, over the last couple of years. No, but I think, this is, I'm reading the results for the last few years here. Yeah, just no, there's no, there's no way. Give a, little, give a little bit out there, too. It, no, that that nonsense is... is no, it, it's nonsense. But it's this, nonsense, and it's just people being so... I mean, if anything, the internet has done a complete 180 on both WWE and AEW. And yeah. now everybody everybody kind of dumps all over AEW and dumps all over Tony Khan and praises WWE and praises Triple H. So if Triple H doesn't if Triple H doesn't win it, it's, it's what? Well, yeah, and the they're both wrong because the Triple H love is too high and the Tony Khan hate is too much. Oh, like, of course. Well, it's the internet. Both of them are more <laughs> moderated. Like the four years of trip, like there's a lot of dumb shit that Trips has done with fucking Loomis and Miz and fucking yeah. Garky. Like a lot of that's pretty the perception pretty too. of the of the promotions. Yeah, though. yeah, that's that. But I mean, also real quick, um, Impact seems like the most interesting show no one watches. But if you like look at some of the stuff they do, it, I'm always very interested and it always seems to make a lot of sense. And they really do well with what they have. So what was the last uh, time they killed a guy, though? I don't mind that shit because it doesn't ever <laughs> it's like outside the realm of like whatever. You know, Loomis is out there fucking chasing dudes and going into it's the outside house. The and, obscurity. <laughs> he actually killed a guy. But like shows like I don't mind that fucking shit. Dude. I don't mind it. So. Yeah, no, I, I actually want to. This will probably be the only time I talk about Impact. So. While we're on it, like I definitely want to give them a little bit of a show for this year. They definitely turned the tides a little. They mm. focused more on the in-ring side of things, and they kind of got away from that wonky storyline shit. Like the Josh Alexander run this year on top has been pretty awesome. Yeah. He just had like a like a sixty-minute match with Speedball on TV a couple weeks ago. Like the guy, the the show's way more palatable. I mean, I just don't know where to watch it. I don't think I even get the channel. So, I, do I have time to watch Impact because I watch all this other shit? No. Would I like to find time to watch it? Yes, let's put it that way. Right. I actually, that's the thing I think everyone thinks is like they kind of want to watch it, but no one. I, I actually feel like Impact's a fun watch to put on in the background when you're doing something else, and you don't have to like constantly pay attention. And then you could kind of look and go, oh yeah, no, I think Impact Impact's a fun watch, but yeah, it's on. What is it on? I don't even remember what's on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Spike, True TV. I don't. Know. Oh, is it True TV? Something Off like that. TV. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll see if Triple H can uh, take a hold of the bo- of Mr. TK there. I think he probably would and should. All right, so Rossi, you're up next here with the worst feud of 2022. Oh man, so I was on the I was up in the air with two WWE feuds here. Um, one was Ronda and Liv. Um, but I didn't want to disrespect uh, Liv because I know that that was kind of a shitty spot for her. Um, so I went with Lashley and Omos. Uh, now, oh, God. Why did this feud suck? So Lashley had about as good of a 2021 as you could ask for. Got completely organically over. He fucking comes into 2022 and beats Brock Lesnar at the Rumble. Uh, before losing the title in the chamber where they protected it from getting beat, obviously, because he was shoot hurt from the Brock match because he was taking Brock's bumps like an asshole. Um, now, I get at this point, too, that they wanted to get almost over. So I'm not even really mad that they did the media match. Like I felt like that was a good way to showcase Lashley. It gets almost over on a bigger scale because it was a tag match from the year before. You know, perfectly fine if that's all they're going to do. But the match was fucking terrible. So now we've go forward. They run it back at WrestleMania Backlash. Um, really the only hole on the pretty stacked short card that they did in Providence that night. 
stunk a little bit less, but it still stunk. Then they decided to go into a third month, made it a handicap match with MVP, and that was maybe the worst of the three. So ultimately, the goal of this feud was to get, you know, Lashley to continue to stay hot while getting almost over as somebody that you can be, you know, have a, have as a monster for future months and years and whatever. After this feud, almost was off TV, so it didn't help him at all and made Lashley feel very unimportant to the grand scheme of everything else that was going on. They had to go do all types of weird shit over the summer to get him back heated up. You know, tried, and then at that point, they didn't know if he was heel or a baby. So this feud fucking put a black stamp on Lashley's run, and it kind mm. of backed him up a little bit. And then at the same time, it did nothing to make almost get over because he sucks. Um, almost had a great match, honestly, with with Braun um, a few months later. But that was because Braun and you know Braun was able to work underneath, which he never is able to. But almost now he hasn't been on TV since. So this feud did nothing to help anybody. We're going to go back at WrestleMania history and see a match between Lashley and Omos just sucked. Wish it didn't happen, and I wish Lashley was doing literally anything else now that I go back at it. Uh, it it's just, uh, I don't know if it warrants that, but I can't really think of anything else. And it, I agree with the momentum killing of Lashley, but he kind of did land on his feet, and he's you know back in the mix again with Brock in the U.S. title mix, so I don't think it like killed him. I just think it killed almost really. And um, a, a tough one that I could think of is, and I, you know, we we know that I'm not a big Braun Breaker fan, but that Joe Gacy feud was interminable. Uh, took pretty- forever. And this is the guy that you want to be the big guy. Why are you fucking putting him in this boring ass, stupid ass feud, right? That's actually a really good call too, because I think that might have been where Braun started to lose his luster. Yeah, I think they were just experimenting with him just to see where his reach is. But that is a good one too, Rocco. Um, all right. So last year, the worst feud of the year was I actually read off the worst feuds of the year a little earlier ago when we were talking about the worst matches. The worst feud of last year was the Alexa Bliss Fiend Orton stuff in the the worst match was actually Damian Priest versus the Miz with the Miz towards ACL or whatever <laughs> that zombie apocalypse that. So I went oh. backwards that I was backwards there uh, a few moments pre- previous to that. But uh, yeah, I can't really think of a, a worst feud of the year. Uh, maybe it goes to Lashley. I'm really not keen on nothing from AEW really pops in my head, but you know, do they really have feuds to begin with? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head, but yeah, that honestly the breaker Gacy wanted a bat. Honestly, but Gacy kind of found his footing despite being, I mean, he's a guy I like, man. I've always liked him back in the CZW days. It was just like weird. Uh, Maybe Miz will miss uh, Gargano. It's been pretty rough too. Yeah, they've rewritten that one a few times. So, I, but yeah, because of Chiampa, but it ain't a bad one either. But uh, I, I don't know. I kind of dig the money stuff, but it's 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 not as good as it should be. All right, Rocco, you're up next. The what what we got for you is the best and worst gimmick for 2022. Mm. I mean, I want to go gimmick. I'm going like gimmick. Um, everything's a gimmick, right? So it's uh, yeah. it's interesting to have to do it, but. God, I mean, Toxic Attraction was kind of on that list when I first thought it popped in my head. And Orange Cassidy, like I said, I think it's a super underrated gimmick that really blows people away when you really think of how over and how good the guy is. And it's such a thing that was such a derisive. He was one of the major things that people called out about AEW when they started, right? 
and the guy has put on incredible matches. He's the most over guy a lot of times. But I'm going House of Black. House of Black has everything you want in wrestling, has everything you want in a faction. They got the cool ass name. They got the fucking badass look. They got the great configuration of a main dude who's a badass, like talker, the the workhorse Tully Blanchard, and the big fucking monster. All their gear is fucking cool. They got the hot chick. Um, they have different looks for the pay-per-views. Uh, they have a symbol. They have uh, multiple names for when they're different tag teams. Like uh, Their music is great. They have multiple music that are all really good. Uh, I love every the, the entrance gear. Like All I need is just a, a little more, and I think this is going to come now, the beginning of the year. Like We've been hearing that the things are going to slow down a little bit, right? And I need that little bit more of the character motivations, and they've been doing it. And I think he does that a lot. But it goes so quickly in the AEW world that I don't think it really sticks. He's not a mystical guy. It's like if this, you know, he's not a Vince McMahon gave him a fucking coffin and a fucking, you know, like he was a, some kind of fucking ghoul. Right. Like, that's not who he is, dude. He's just a different. He's a counterculture cat, you know, and he's a smart guy and he's not just a fucking vampire. So I think that that is going to be hopefully the big faction in AEW coming up. And I just I love everything about uh, the presentation. And that's the best part of it of a gimmick, right? A real gimmick that's going to last forever. Like, you guys know. My favorite guys are Abdullah, Kamala. I love the fucking crazy shit. I love that kind of stuff. Muda, Bruiser Brody. Like, I love that all. And this is fits into that just a little bit. You know, little Kevin Sullivan and a whole bunch of other stuff. So that's my uh, best gimmick. All right, so your 2021 best gimmick from The Observer was Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, the head of the table. All right, who do you got for the worst, Ross, Rocco? Oh. I don't. I had a name on here, and I'm two names on here. I'm not gonna say them again, and their names are not Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. Um, <laughs> new Ronda, Ronda, new Ronda sucks. Smiley Braun sucks. But the worst gimmick is Talky Talky Johnny Gargano. I cannot take this guy on the fucking thing. He's a weird smartass. He's on the main roster because he's a wrestler. He's wrestling, right? And is but I just don't get it. Um, he is not for me. I find it. I find him the most annoying human, and I don't get why he's supposed to be a babyface. Yeah, I'd rather watch Johnny Gargano than the House of Black, but that's just me. All right, the yeah, twenty first gimmick was Alexa Bliss. Uh, wait, wait, what do you you don't like watching three really good wrestlers with cool music, a cool outfit, a hot chick, having who had like multiple like four or five star matches this year? You don't like that. That's not cool. You'd rather. In the back, talky Johnny Gargano talking to the Miz. That's insane. No, no, I, I, I don't disagree that Johnny Gargano is is finding his footing, but I don't. The house is black is whack, dude. <laughs> what do you mean they're whack? What's whack about them? They're just not cool. They're, they're, there's no substance to them. Like what, what is it? It's just fucking smoke and mirrors. It's just a cooler Bray Wyatt, really, without that's the production. Oh, that's insane. They're a fucking what? monster they, machine. They, no that's one a- cares about the house of fucking black. You're out of your fucking mind. Like maybe for like a nerdy dad, like middle-aged dad from Boston, that's like scary for you. But there's like multiple people who that is a culture that they're a part of, just like a metal culture, an underground culture. But also there's What's this fucking, fucking jerk-off culture. Get the fuck out of here. So here, let me let me kind of come in the, down the middle here. Um, I think I, I I love Tommy End. I love Alistair Black, Malachi Black, whatever the fuck his name is now. If it works, um, why the fuck did he want to get out? <laughs> I liked him way more. When Never he said he was wanted to get a, out, but sorry. sorry I, I, no, it's okay. I liked him more when he was just a guy that came to the ring in a leather vest and kicked the shit out of people and didn't talk. 
Um, and I felt like he was a lot of that at NXT too. And then with every step along the way, he's kind of become more of like a macabre, like more of like, uh, like a, like something that he needs a ton of TV time that kind of just takes away from the fact that he should just be in the ring, be taking the shit out of people. And that's where I kind of can see both sides of this argument. I fucking love the guy. I love Brody King. I love, I think Murphy is one of the most underrated wrestlers in wrestling. The guy can fucking go. And yeah, when these the three guys wrestling, yeah, when these three guys are in the ring and wrestling, they're fucking awesome. Now they're just not in the ring wrestling enough. And that's where I kind of, you know, can hear the conversation that you have here, Rocco too. And I agree with you is I feel like since they've come back this time, they've dumbed their presentation down a little bit. Like they're still doing the same shit, but it's been more basics. Like they get in the ring, kick the shit out of people and leave, you know, um, when before there was a lot more to it that, you know, maybe the average viewer just didn't want to give time to, to look at right now. Uh, if they don't put these guys in a feud with whoever wins this best of seven series, then they're fucking morons. Cause now's the time to strike with them because if they continue to just be another team, then it'll never work for them. But if they do jump on top of it early 2023, I'm all for it. Like, I like the guys. It's just, I'd rather see them wrestle than the gimmick. So, but I there's don't. not that much. There's not these crazy vignettes. And to me, when you say a gimmick, like the things that you remember that people remember forever are things like the face paints and the music and the presentation. And like, they ain't doing fucking Bray Wyatt spooky shit. Like you uh, hate, I know you hate that. And like weird storylines and crazy shit like that. It's just, it's a presentation that maybe you don't like, but to me, I think it's really fucking cool. It's not that I don't like it. I just don't care. Well, I'm, <laughs> just, you don't have to care. That's that, kind of the same thing. What I like for you, you like guys in tights having like matches a lot more than I like the more gimmick style of shit like that. Like the visual of that stuff is exciting to me. And well, the fact that they could go too is, you know. Murphy, 2008 to 2020 in 205 Live over Buddy Murphy as a spooky third that doesn't really do much. That's hey. just. All right. So, Keithy, where are you with these gimmicks? You're a gimmick yourself. I am a gimmick myself. Um, I I I think the worst gimmick is. It, I know he was said already, but anything Baron Corbin does. <laughs> it's <laughs> not the worst what the fuck guys Jesus. All right, but the best is mad cat moss of course come on oh yeah absolutely no um i mean it's one of the worst because he's good and they sh- they gave him a bad gimmick too sorry keith Andrew. oh sure no no problem uh best gimmick hmm i mean i i like the house of i like the house of black i understand you know that concept there of that I, it's been see it Anything that even remotely smells like Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family, I'm immediately like, Ugh. you know, so I'm just going to I'm going to say I'm going to take a pass on that. Um, honestly, I know it came back this year, but I think the whole Becky Lynch, the man being the man, I think that's the best gimmick. I think it was the best gimmick when she had it uh, what, three years ago now, is it? I mean, 18 to 20 ish. Yeah. And I think that when she first came back and she had that big time Bex or whatever the frigate was. That was stupid. But then, you know, now that she's kind of brought back the man, I think that that's, that was the best gimmick. It was, it was great for her uh, in an age where they were trying to really not get her over. She got over. And, uh, you know, I think that it was, that was a big part of it was just, everybody realized that she was fucking awesome. Uh, who was it that, um, who was it that said that you're, 
your wife is more of a man than you are to Seth Rollins. Was it was Corbin it probably? Yeah, and, yeah, and I was Riddle. Like that, that was that was Riddle because that's what yeah, that was that's what yeah, and I was like that's breaking and that was just so much that was so awesome like you know like that's she segment. They were rest. They were referencing her in another segment to get heat on her husband. I thought that was great. So I'm gonna say I still think my I think the best overall gimmick is the man Becky Lynch. Yeah, it could could be a resurgence for her this year. Yeah. Let right. me give a quick shout here though that um we did eliminate a bad gimmick when Nikki Ash finally took the costume <laughs> yeah, off. Oh yeah. She's back to being cross. So I mean yeah. she's still probably gonna be dead ended, but at least now it's not gonna be her thinking she's a fucking superhero. Or do drop? How about that as being a terrible gimmick? I mean, yeah, but come on, did you ever hear her theme song? Do 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 drop. I think it's, <laughs> that's a pass right there if I ever heard one. Kind of is, yeah. Great wrestler, bad gimmick. That's the word. That's the worst thing, right? Like like for Mad Cat Moss, that should just infuriate you, Ryan, because you like that guy and he's talented. And they give him this stupid gimmick. It's like a Dewdrop who's really good. It's like the gimmick got him over. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and get him over with anyone who likes cool shit. I'll tell you that. Okay, let's fucking well, let me let me uh let me go jerk off with my goth makeup on. Sorry there, Rocco. I don't know if that's goth makeup, but yeah, you know, it shows your ignorance. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> All right, speaking of ignorance, charismatic is <laughs> is charismatic. Is, I love that. next. I'm gonna tackle this one. The most charismatic in twenty. 20- <laughs> in 2021, CM Punk was the most charismatic. In 2020, MJF was the most charismatic. Uh, I wouldn't really go too far off that tree right there, but also I would add in Roman Reigns. But my pick is easily, and I don't want to say easily lightly, because I just uh, named three of the most charismatic individuals in the last few years, and maybe even the history. But my 2021 pick for the most charismatic was Sami Zayn, and my most charismatic for 2022 is Sami Zayn. This guy is just bulletproof. His charisma gets him over. Despite being a great wrestler and an awesome promo and a great character, his charisma is what connects him to all of us, and his connection to all of us is what has ascended him up the card and made the best storyline in wrestling even better when he was just this mid-card fodder guy who was really just a happy loser that just kind of was just a conspiracy guy going nowhere in the mid card and wasn't really liked by the higher ups or whatever. caught himself a fat contract and is just in the midst of the best push of his life. And it's all due to charisma that spread out throughout him on TV. So Sammy Zayn, 2022, most charismatic. Then you guys got need to add to that. Um, I, well, until you said Sammy Zayn, I was going to say, is it, is this the award for the most Jewish wrestler? Because you mentioned MJF and then you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned CM Punk, but Sami Zayn is not Jewish, so I go say okay, forget that. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean Sami Zayn, he's he he kind of took. I, I, it, it's funny when you were talking about like some of the worst feuds. I almost wanted to say Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville, not the match, but all the pr- run up to the match. Yeah. It was like I just thought it was like garbage you know but the match itself was actually pretty fun um at wrestlemania so i would have said that but he's so in my opinion he started off with that you know turned you know lemonade out of lemons and then all of a sudden just has gone on and on and on and on and off and i think that he's unbelievable now unbelievable and Mm -hmm. when you see the rumors that you know there's this supposed to be this eventual push for him to fight reigns whether it's at the elimination chamber or whatever they're trying to push on the when the internet says i mean 
I don't even think it's necessary. I would I would love to see him be the last person in the bloodline with Reigns. Like I want to see him next to Reigns at when Reigns is fighting everybody else, including Paul Heyman. Like and that would just be that would be so awesome in my opinion. My dog. That's just put it there. My dog. Um I don't think you could deny uh, how charismatic is because charismatic just means people are just drawn to you, right? And I think Daniel Bryan really Your connection does that. to someone. Yeah. yeah, I think Daniel Bryan really has that permanent from his, you know, his WWE run, and just he just stands there, and people are just enraptured with the dude, you know. And you forget how good you could even forget how good of a wrestler or talker he is just by like the reactions he gets, you know. And it's even hard to like kind of when he tries to become a heel, and he's a great heel. But it's mm. kind of hard when people really kind of love him, right? So uh, I think he kind of – yeah, I'm not saying he's number one. I think that's a great choice with Sammy. But I think, Brian, when you watch it, you kind of forget sometimes. Like, oh, my God, people fucking love that guy, you know? Yeah, it's pretty much – most to me, it's the most charismatic. Who who steals your attention as soon as he's on screen in a way? You know what I mean? Charismatic can be described in a few different ways, you know? So, all right, promotion of the year, Keithy. What you got? Chaotic Wrestling? Um, <laughs> <laughs> honorable mention chaotic wrestling okay. no i think uh honestly it's for me it's wwe i think that um post vince they have put on i mean wrestlemania was actually really good wrestlemania was really really good and i think everything else since then has been really good or better you know like there hasn't been a lot of i mean no i don't want to say there hasn't been any stinkers obviously we talked about a couple of matches that took place past in the post vince era but i think that raw has been good i think smackdown has been good i think that there's been some great moments i think there's been um it's a lot more now of not just like one match shows or two match shows i think there's a lot of matches on the shows that are are of good quality not necessarily i'm gonna i don't want to use star quality like you know five star four star three like that but I think WWE has just turned it around and obviously compared to, you know, AEW and, and, and impact. And, um, I think they're just the top of the game. I mean, I think they're the top dog again. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I actually had them last year. I made a compelling argument for them last year versus AEW and, and that kind of triggered and played out into this year. So I kind of agreed the Observer Warrior readers had AEW for 2020 and 2021. I don't think that you have the negative within the WWE that you have had in the past that has that would deflect them away from winning this award, where they kind of had a lot of good, but then they would have a lot of bad, and then it would just kind of middle out. And then, like AEW, for instance, or New Japan, for instance, would have the great in-ring work that would just trump whatever the WWE would try to do within stories. Uh, and now the WWE in-ring is just kind of a little bit under par, if not at par, for the meaningful stuff. So, you know, you ain't got to twist my arm to say WWE here. Oh, good. Yeah. Rocco? I feel like AEW just was consistently had... If I'm watching week to week, like you said about the show, kind of being... Right up there with the with the that WWE mid period was kind of rough for me, man. I had a real hard time with a lot of it. So I, I gotta I say AEW was a much more consistent show uh, it, for the whole year. I'm taking away. I don't give a shit about the punk and all that backstage bullshit. I'm just talking about what I watch on TV. And to me, it's usually the stronger two hours a week of wrestling that I watch. And the pay per views are always deliver. So I'm gonna go with that. But you know, 
I'm ex- I'm as excited for Trips version of uh, WWE as most people are. Yeah, I'm interested as in like personally, it's like all right, what am I lo- more looking forward to? I'm more looking forward to SmackDown. I'm more lo- kind of lo- to Raw to an instance, and I care more about the pay per views within the WWE AEW. Like I don't know, it's like, I don't know if it's the fifty dollar thing. It's like ah, I spent fifty fucking dollars. I'm just cheap, so it's like ah, I spent fifty dollars on this fucking thing. Let me watch it. So now I'm like sour pussing. It's just, but if you you know if in ring action on a week-to-week basis is your thing. Dynamite's where it's at. But if you care a little bit more about the stories and investment, I seem to be a little bit more with invested within the WWE, but kind of by a wide, large margin there. Rossi, you got to want to put your two cents in on that? Yeah, I mean, I think my biggest argument with AEW here is I feel like they should be so much better than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not me bashing what they do. They're in-ring 99% of the time is fucking awesome. But it's just matches like there isn't like in in, like there's never I shouldn't say never, but there's rarely a time when it's like 750 on a Wednesday and I'm like, oh, wait, what's on Dynamite tonight? All right. I can watch that later. Like, I don't have to see that right now. I'm sure it's going to be awesome, but it's not like can't miss TV right now. When there's times that something happens in WWE, like Roman Reigns was on SmackDown a week and a half or two weeks ago um, and it was his first time in three weeks. Like I had SmackDown on at eight ready, ready for it to happen. Um, there just seems to be more interest for me at this point in watching and what like what's coming in WWE, and and that's not to knock AEW because like I said, they're in ring. I mean, you're gonna hear me talk about it a lot of good praise on them in a minute here, uh, but they I feel like they took a little bit of a step back this year um, overall, um, where you know they look like they were a ball of fire. Their their pay per views this year were still good, but they were better in 2021. So that that's pretty much where I'm at right now with them. And, and I mean, they could flip a switch tomorrow and have 2023 be their best year yet. But, you know, it all comes down to them. Just the crowds aren't what they were. Um, and it's just the excitement level isn't there as much anymore. They're starting to become just another promotion. All right. While you're talking about pay-per-views, Rossi, what's the best and the worst wrestling, major wrestling show for 2022? All right, so I'm going to go worst first, um, and um, I think you guys might end up agreeing with me now based on what some of you were saying earlier. I'm going with the Royal Rumble. Um, I know that that on paper probably surprises you, but it shouldn't because, you know, it's always fun live. So if you're watching it that that night, you're having fun watching it, you know. We had a big blizzard up here last year, so I remember watching it with the family for a little bit, and my kids went to bed, and I watched it by myself, and I was having a great time watching it because it's a Rumble. Mm-hmm. Now I now I look back at it and both rumbles were complete fucking messes. Brock winning was cool, but it was so quickly done. Like he was in the ring for like three minutes. That entire Shane McMahon run just completely fucked the matchup, like killed it dead. Um, there was some cool things in it, like the Bad Bunny stuff I was entertained by. Riddle had a pretty good run in there. But for the most part, the match was a gigantic rumble turd. And when you look back, it's my favorite match every year. It's my favorite show every year. It was the most disappointing show for me in 2022 from start to finish. The Women's Rumble had a cool Ronda return, but it was so poorly worked. Um, they had this big Sarah Logan return that popped literally no one but Liv who was in the ring. The entire match was a disaster. Like It had girls that looked like they hadn't been in a wrestling ring because a lot of it hadn't been for multiple years. It was just a flop. It didn't look like they, they were into this as much as prior years. Um, the, now, the Roman Rollins match was good, but it had a DQ finish, opened the show. 
Um, you know, anytime you're on a major show with a fuck finish, like I understand why they did it, but it does, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth when it's over. Um, Brock Lashley was the other title match fuck finish uh, with Roman interfering. Again, I understand why it had to happen, but you literally had Lashley beat Brock just for Brock to win it back two weeks later. Um, and even though Lashley was hurt, he was probably going to win it back anyways, right? With where they ended up going. Becky Dewdrop, they worked hard, but the match for the most part was just dead. It was after the Women's Rumble. Nobody gave a shit. And there was a um, fight. Yeah, there was a fight in the crowd. That was the no, most fire. interesting part of the night. Fire, that's what it was. The, the WrestleMania sign went up. And then <laughs> the then the, the pre-match, the, the match right before the Men's Rumble was Edge and Beth against Miz and Maurice. Now, Maurice looked about as hot as she ever has, but the match was abysmal. Um, so, yeah, like I said before, in a vacuum, was the show a waste of time? No. You still enjoyed it live, but on rewatch, it was pretty fucking shitty. Um, and it's more of a testament, honestly, of how good the rest of the year was to say that this was the worst show of the year. Um, because looking back at it, you know, I can think about extreme rules, but there was like an excitement in the air about like what was going to happen with Bray. And there was some well-worked matches on that show. And it's tough for me to say like a two and a half hour pay-per-view is a bad show because there's enough in it to keep you entertained. The rumble's longer and it's just you get built up for the rumble and to see the F, the shit effort they put into this one this year, it just made it the worst show of the year. Yeah, I I agree a little bit there, just based off of like the fallout and it, just the booking, really. Vince wasn't there either. Keep keep in mind, Vince wasn't there. His mother passed away that night. Shane came in trying to take kind of take over. WrestleMania plans up in the air, and they just kind of left the door open to go a different a few different ways, and it really hurt the show. I, I did viewers' choice with Marcus that night. And I think I went 5.5 out of 10. And if you, for you to say that's the worst pay-per-view of the year, I'll, I'll take that in any year. And, uh, you know, the, like you said, the Royal Rumbles are always rewatchable, despite how shitty they are. Um, and then I actually I asked one of my friends who, who, what he thought the worst pay-per-view of the year was. And he said all out. Um, and I, I took that in. I said, really? That's interesting. And I had to go. I would want to go back and look at that. But I didn't really necessarily um do that uh either one of you guys have anything on the worst before we move on to the best i um i really disliked uh i i, I didn't really i don't watch the saudi shows but the elimination chamber one seemed really shitty from the stuff i i, I knew I, I watched some of it and just i can't get into the matches in that place anyway so it kind of pisses me off and then just i don't know it just seemed really, really lackluster to me yeah, uh, all I can remember is the like Brock killing everyone in the chamber and Theory getting thrown off. So, but how many times have we have to, we'll have to have to watch Brock destroy a million dudes that we like? Like, I get it, but it just that's not exciting to me anymore. Yeah. Well, if we put him in black makeup and a mask, maybe. All right. <laughs> well, he's throwing his hair out so he could join the fucking uh, House of Black. Um, I, I think wasn't the I think that I agree completely with the Rumble. It was garbage. I mean, the best part of the Rumble was. Was it Sasha Banks doing that like split that everybody that ended up becoming like a meme? Everybody went nuts for. Uh, no, it was that was terrible. I mean, you know, everybody went nuts over the Mickey James entrance and nothing happened with it. I mean, I knew nothing was going to happen with it, but the women's rumble is always tough because you always have like Hall of Famers or part time. I, I can't I can't even get the concept around me that two part time people won the rumble. Like that just is like that's gonna just drive me insane. I mean, push somebody, anybody. I mean, you know, the, it's your friggin' and I know I sound like CM Punk complaining about part-time people, but it's like you know what? 
he did make a point like you don't do that. You don't do that to all the people that show up every single day and do this. And I knew for a fact that like, I, you know, Brock Lesnar. And I think the one that he was in a few years before was awesome where he was, you know, where it was, it was great. I mean, and I'm okay with that because he was actually kind of more invested. I knew we were only going to get him at pay-per-views and we were going to get him on weekly TV, but he wasn't showing up like never almost. And Ronda Rousey, that was awful, awful. As soon as she came out, I went, oh, this is who's winning, you know, and yeah, I didn't like it. And then the matches, you're right. The matches were not that good either. So just boring. Those two yeah, winning is was was very, so it was a very boring, boring, which is which seemed to be the trend the last few years, too, for the Rumble, you know, yeah, and that being the worst part of WrestleMania too, both of them. Well, just disappointment wise. All right. Yeah. So 2021 Survivor Series was the worst show. And I thought that, I was there live. I thought it was pretty decent. All right. What are the what do we got on the best side, Rossi? So best, I went with uh, back to June at the AEW New Japan Forbidden Door show. Um, a lot of WWE stuff I wanted to think about here, but once I started like really thinking about this show, like I thought it was by far the best piece of business AEW did all year. Um, and they had a couple of like I, I, going back to Revolution, that was a good show as well. But this this show was just fucking killer. There was literally like eight four four plus star matches on the show. Um, Open with Jericho, Guevara, and Suzuki against Shooter, Yuta, and Eddie. That was so goddamn good. It was like a perfect opener. Then they went right into a three-way tag with FTR United Empire with Pongi Vice, another fucking awesome match. They had the four-way for that like international title they have. Uh, made Clark Connors, who nobody knew anything about, look like a fucking stud in that match. And the rest of them worked their ass off. Then you got to see Sting have a six-man with the Young Bucks. That was really fucking good. Um, got Shingo win on a, like a big U.S. show. Just crazy spots in this. Sting and the Bucks were so cool to see. Sting is Sting's a master of these six mans and doing like crazy spots. Um, Osprey versus Orange Cassidy was like my favorite AEW match of the year. Um, it was like the best possible combination of a legit wrestler and like OC's comedy, and it just made you realize how good of a fucking wrestler Orange Cassidy is when he really is able to showcase that. They just clicked together. The Claudio surprise was awesome. The match with Zack Sabre ruled. Um, then you're like exhausted at this point of the night. You're watching a four way with Jay White, Okada, Ethan Page. I'm sorry, not Ethan Page. Wow, Hangman Page and Adam Cole. Um, it was on its way to be in like maybe the match of the show, but the finish got all fucked up because of Cole's concussion. Um, and then the main event was Moxie Tanahashi, which honestly came off disappointing because you were so fucking gassed from watching the other matches that you were just ready to shut the show off at that point. Um, and to say that about a, a Tanahashi and a Moxie is kind of crazy because it was still a damn good match. Um, this show was just an unreal show from top to bottom. It felt like you didn't really have to care about story as much on this show and just got to watch people wrestle. And it kind of felt like it was the bet. Like I was watching like a Wrestle Kingdom level show when I was watching this. Um, and it made me miss Wrestle Kingdoms back when it was just one night. And I'm so happy to come back with that here in the, in the next week or so. Um, because it just every match was big and built up. You were just gassed by the end of it. That's my only complaint with it. But I couldn't find a single other show that had this many goddamn good matches on it. Clash of the Castle, awesome show. Um, that was my 1A, 1B here. And I just wanted to give that a show because that show was fucking incredible to watch as well. Um, but really good year for in-ring pay-per-views for WWE. Um, I just thought this one singular match was – or this one singular show was the best of the entire wrestling litter. Uh, that's cool. Um, just give me WrestleMania night one. <laughs> it's funny. Those are both that's fine. The thing. <laughs> those are both yeah. fine. But then Mania one did have some more stinkers to it. When I re 
watched it for this. Yeah, week. but what do you remember? You had to go back and you could go WrestleMania off the top of your head. That you had to go on Wikipedia and read. That's that's what matters to me. Honestly, yeah. honestly, Forbidden, and that was why I picked this because Forbidden Door was like I remember this show. Like there was the only one I remember was OC and Osprey. You had to read all that, and I couldn't remember shit. So. Like I, the thing is, I struggle with picking one night of mania. I feel like I've got to pick the entire thing. You, that's you got to pick so. the whole thing. I get it, but it, it, that was my next question. Do you split it in half? Is that weird? But just being there live, the first night was just unbelievable. Like, like Wrestle Kingdom would win every year, but if it was, it's been two or three nights for the last four or five, three or four years, kills the entire thing. Now they're back to it. I bet it wins next year. Yeah, but if 20 minutes ago, if I asked you to name me the cards, you, there's no way you're naming those fucking that. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be able to name you back the full Mania Night 1 card either because I'm going to mix it up with stuff that happened on Night 2. No, but you're going to go the Cody return. You're going to go Stone Cold. You're going to go the Aust- the Becky Lynch match with um, mm-hmm. Belair. You're going to go the McAfee fucking moment. You're going to that's I already I just mixed it up. But that's what, that's gonna, what I mean. Three, that's what I mean. I mean moments, if, no, but those three moments right there trump anything that happened on that New Japan AEW show. It's just right. the best overall wrestling show was the New Japan show. Yeah. Put on your fucking makeup and jerk off to it. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, I, I will. Have a good time. Hold on a minute. I I wanna I wanna just come to his defense on this, okay, Rossi. I wanna come to your defense on this and just say, um, if you remember when they gave the like best Oscar to Peter Jackson and Return of the King, and it was kind of like they said, oh well, we're kind of giving this to him because of everything he did for all the Lord of the Rings. I kind of feel that way with um that AEW New Japan show, The Forbidden Door, because it's just it was. You put so much into it, it has to it almost has to be the best show of the year. It has to be because of everything that they put into it. I mean, when you're combining several different companies basically into one mat, I mean, it's a one card, you're going to get it. You know what I mean? So I agree with that. I think that's the best show of the year. I'll but, say, too, but is just that because of the amount of work that went into it, that's all. I'll even say, though, because people were not high on that show either. Like, I remember people being like, because it had just happened. The other show had just happened, right? So they had a pay-per-view pretty close to that. And I know, like, a lot of people. Brian like, was hurt. Punk was hurt. Yeah, yeah it yeah, over-delivered. So like, it, it over-delivered of, Yeah, it's like going to a restaurant, like, like on a road trip somewhere. And you stop for, like, a burger. And it's, like, the best fucking burger you had. Like, you didn't, you knew it was going to be good. But when I was watching that, like, you're, like you're saying, it was exhausting how fucking entertaining it was. And I think that's the thing is the biggest surprise. Like, you know, Mania is going to be good and you get amped up for it. I think it's just two different things. The way mm. just watching it was two different ways. Like knowing Stone Cold was coming out. I watched those three and a half hours just giddy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And Bianca and Becky had the fucking one of the best matches in Mania in a, in a long time. So, like, it was just a great night. One high peaks instead of the consistency at eight. You know, if you rather go through eight the whole time, give me the give me the three the three or four peaks at ten. That's how I rather consume wrestling. And, you know, and then just give me the the lows of the fives where I can kind of come down and you know not pay attention as much, opposed to having. Oh, yeah, you need you need piss matches. You yeah. know, you need popcorn matches. I, I think Mike feels the same way. That I remember how I felt watching that AEW thing where I was like screaming at my friends. Like it was so much. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes you want that, right? Sometimes you want to listen to fucking metal. Sometimes yeah. you want to listen to fucking, uh, fucking the Eagles. I don't know. And <laughs> that's the thing this. is I remember sitting down to watch the show and I was like really excited for that four-way New Japan title match at the end of the night. 
Um, and like by the time I got to that, I was like, wow, this match is fucking ruled. And then I was like, well, this show's fucking ruled. Like now, hey, whatever these guys give me is cool. Um, it was just a, it was an over delivery for me that won this for me. Where you're right, maybe I just you know I go into a mania with crazy like I know it's going to be good, I know it's going to be entertaining. So this was just the one that probably blew my doors off the most um, from you know all year. Mm. And we can all agree it was just a cool thing that it fucking happened, right? <laughs> like that's a cool yeah. thing that actually happened on a pay per view. Yeah, that they right. were able. Yeah, because I mean nowadays it doesn't seem like any company. Although you kind of have that working or well, you had a working arrangement with um, Impact and AEW. And to what you were saying too, Ryan, like your, your buddy said, All Out was the worst show. Um, that might be because it had to follow this. All right, Rocco, best worst announcer. What do we got? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna go Excalibur. I think he deals with so many different voices trying to fucking talk. He has to deal with drunk Jim, angry Jim Ross all the time. He's got a fucking micro machine commercial his way through all the fucking goddamn promos and stuff. Uh, he knows the names of the moves. He calls them. He's got a sense of humor that is not a pushed forced sense of humor. Uh, he's mentioned King of the Hill that popped me a bunch of times and he just does a lot. I don't, I've heard some people say they don't like him. I don't know why it would be. I know Ryan, you don't like his mask, but that doesn't bother like me. Him. If Rey Mysterio became an announcer, no one would give a fuck if he was wearing a mask. So who cares? He's a voice. He's not meant to be seen. He's seen Ooh, like three it's interesting. Minutes. Then he can wear a mask all he wants. Well, I don't know. I think he's fine I, for what he has to do. He does it so well. And, his shit with Taz on the B shows is always super fucking entertaining. So I'm going to give it to Excalibur just because everyone else in the WWE was fucking complete horseshit until Vince left anyway. So besides Pat McAfee and McAfee was only around for that tiny little bit. And it took me a little while to get into McAfee for a bit. He was a little much for me. And I think he took a little time to get into himself too. Two years. So I'm going to go with uh, uh, Excalibur. Uh, yeah, I'd go McAfee, or if you want to give it to Cole just as, an, like, a resurgent, but honestly, I never really care about commentary, unless if it's, like, Bobby Heenan. <laughs> yeah, just... no, if you make a good point, Joey, Joey Style, something like that. Yeah, I only like, care, yeah. I only care about it if it's, like, really bad, and I don't really think there's anything that's really yeah. bad right now. Yeah. Like, I think Taz, uh, Taz and, like, Giovanni uh, are so yeah. good, but, like, they don't, they don't do a lot, you know, for what they have, for what Excalibur has to do <laughs> I liked them a lot whenever they had Regal on, too. Like, mm-hmm. Regal always brought a little something. Him and Taz together were always good. Yeah. So, 2022 or 2020 and 2021 has been Excalibur and the best. Uh, Rocco, who do you agree with that fucking story? asshole, Dave Meltzer? I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's funny, came, coming in at the end, uh, Booker fucking T is the worst <laughs> announcer of all time. He's so fucking bad. At, quack, quack. Oh, it's so bad. And the thing is, his job is really important because he is there to introduce you to new characters that were supposed to tell you something but like yes and he's so fucking bad at it dude like this is an important role right i'm here here's a brand new person you've never seen before i want you to watch it and this guy's fucking barely understand what he's saying just saying dumb shit very annoying his fake crying when raquel well one was stupid um i think they just gave him a job because they really (laughs) want to use his fucking company as like a fucking feeder system and that's the only reason he's got this job nxt has become worse television since he's been on it yeah, so I, I agree so with Booker. But now, should we give a boost to Barrett here, where he kind of re- had to go on SmackDown and do a good job, and then mm. we see how valuable he was to NXT? Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I think we called that, too. We said he would be the perfect guy for SmackDown when McAfee left. I think we all mm-hmm. agreed on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. So, um, the, And then last year, 
the worst announcer was Corey Graves. But I think uh, if I were to vote, uh, Shucky Ducky Quack Quack would be the one this year. Shucky Ducky. Let me tell you something. All right. So the most improved. Uh, this one was actually hard for me. Um, I don't really, I didn't, I don't know which avenue to go down. I don't know, uh, where to go. Um, but it's like, geez, was Mandy Rose so bad? And then she had, she just turned her character around and her presence around where she, you know, it was a moment where she lost, but then she was fired the next day. And it's like, oh, that's why she lost. So that's kind of why But I don't really want to go down that road with Mandy Rose. So, and then do it's just like, do I go with Sammy because they're finally going with them, but they should have been going with them for, it's long overdue. So it's like, do I go with Sammy here? But, uh, fuck, I, I, I really don't know. So I'm going to defer to you guys. I don't really, I don't know where to go. It, you know, Rossi, you're pretty good here. What do you, where, where would you go most improved? Rocco, who do you got most improved? Keithy, anyone? Shit. Um, give me a second. I'll come back to it. I'll think of it. I mean, if you're from what you're saying about like Sammy, uh, Mandy was on my list at first, and like you said, yeah. I, I think she was good on the main roster, but th- now the not the, the level she got to, yeah, exactly. But the character's so good, and her matches were great, but she didn't have a lot of chances on the main roster too. So yeah, um, what about a Chad Gable just being a char- having the character be his character for a whole year? Yeah, wrestling's always been sick, but yeah, yes, this character is was so. He, you know who I actually thought about. I, I actually thought about this. I wrote it down. I didn't mention it. it was Dom Mysterio's character since the turn mm. is the most improved. His like caring about him, but yeah, Gable would definitely you know, like what you didn't like Shorty G. Jesus, that was terrible. You know, so or, or just nothing. Yeah, so it's like, but the wrestling was always sick with that guy, right? Yeah, so that ain't a bad one. Um, I might just go Dom's character. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but once he goes to the ring, I still don't care. Uh, I got you one. Know, yeah, I, got I mean, one, I think. What do you got? Jamie Hayter. Yeah. She's turned. Their last two like big matches were really good, and she was somebody who, yeah. you know, she came from like the Stardom pedigree, but she wasn't really able to showcase that in the U.S. And she, you could tell, she was nervous. She wasn't good. I mean, just the fact she's gotten to the point where she was she won the title at an at a pay per view and everybody fucking wanted her to win the title, kind of shows the the big improvement she's made this year. And she's the least push girl out of that. Keithy, who do you got from Chaotic that you were going to talk about? <laughs> why why are you gonna say why are you always gonna do that? Um, I mean, you know, I can. I mean, Armani Chaos, but I mean, let's not talk about <laughs> That's a great that. Um, uh, no, I mean, I think Dominic Mysterio is that's a that's probably a most improved. I mean. Like just from like you said, from the uh, from the character perspective, but also just his in ring work got better. Question mark. I mean, I think that, yeah. you know, That's it got better. Not it's not great. But I mean, you know, he doesn't need to be he can be the guy that they he can be the guy that always eats the pin for Judgment Day, which is great because you don't really want to see Finn Balor, Damian Priest eating the pin all the time. So it's good. Leave, let him be the one that takes the pin, you know. Yeah, that ain't a bad. That actually. Just thought of two more too, Ryan. Yeah. Um, WWE. Um, let's give a little bit of a talk to Angelo Dawkins. Mm-hmm. I thought that he really showed his showed out a lot this year in singles matches where he really wasn't able to do so in the past. And when he was given those chances in the past, he really wasn't great at it. And then flip side, AW ones that I forgot about, you know, they claimed. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
So last year it was Tay Conti most improved, and the year before that, Britt Baker. So maybe that's that's terrible. Tay Conti's got to be like still one of the worst women's wrestlers around. Like, how did she ever win that? That's an AEW pick. Come on. Yeah, Britt's good, but uh, that one's a little weird. Yeah. All right. So the next category we got here, Keith, is the best wrestling maneuver. What a maneuver. What do you got? What a maneuver. I think it's, and I know it just kind of has come into the world recently, but I think that Soul Snatcher, so Ruka Soul Snatcher, I mean, that move is just, that's awesome. I mean, I don't know if she'll be able to do it all the time, but it's kind of like, it's the coolest version of like a cutter that I've seen in a while, you know? Yeah, I can see it becoming contrived, but it's definitely attention grabbing, like as soon as you see it. Um, and she had some rough footing too. She was not ready for TV when they threw her on, but she's kind of catching a groove on that, on that beat, on that D show anyways. And, uh, that cutter is catching her some buzz and some acclaimed, uh, Rossi, you're an indie mock. Who has the best maneuver going around here? Oh, Jesus. I was more so thinking worst maneuver. Um, but best. Yeah. I mean that, so that move was originally done by Dante Leone and GCW, um, Mm -hmm. literally the same move. Um, and when he did it, everybody blew their minds. But when Soul R- Rucka did it, because you didn't really see her do anything that crazy, it like blew, you, blew your mind even more. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't really think that there's a like number one best maneuver right now uh, out there because I feel like everybody hits everything all the time. Everyone's right? so athletic, right? Yeah. Um, Ten years ago, it's Ricochet's 450, you know? I'm going to go a little different than the jump because listen, cutters, come on. Like, God, sometimes they're just so contrived and boring and silly looking that they kind of bother me. I'm going to say Bianca's fucking KOD because this year, A, it's awesome. She hits it better. She hits her move like, like how many times has Brock hit that sloppy ass F5? And it's like, this is supposed <laughs> to kill people. And you're not even, you're like five feet away from the dude when he lands. Like it used to be a spinning DDT. And now it's just throwing a guy in his stomach. It's like how Cena used to do a, D, a Death Valley driver. And then it just became, I'm going to throw you on your back. But like when Bianca hits that KOD, it always looks sick. She's done it to two girls. She's done it with a fucking ladder. She did it in the elimination chamber and threw people into the fucking chamber. Like she really kicked it up and doing it in really cool ways. And it's always impressive when she picks up a bigger girl or two or whatever. And it's a killer. And I I think it's awesome. I think she does it perfectly too. And it's Mm. it's like a burning hammer that she fucking modified just a little bit to not like, you know, kill people in the ring. And uh, I don't know. I love it. I think it's awesome. All right, so the 2021 best maneuver, and I kind of agree with this, is the buckshot lariat, Hangman Page's move. And mm-hmm. the year before that was 2020 was the one-wing angel. And then Osprey's uh, Stormbreaker. Um, the year all before. are awesome. All yeah, all are awesome. Yeah. And then Omega, for, Omega with the one-wing angles from 18 to 16, Styles Flash in the 15, Meltzer Driver in 14. Uh, Rainmaker before that, Ricochet's double moonshot, moonsault. So, yeah, pl- uh, you know, pl- plethora of great moves there. So, uh, so does so Ru- Ruka, does her name fit on that list yet, or we have to wait for that one? Well, once I just think, videos, once, once all the videos of her botching that move come out, no one's going to give a shit. About it. Yeah, well, I, I need to see her pull it off on a show that people actually watch. Hey, yeah. Yeah, but see, that's where I think that that's where I think it's going to be, because, you know, it's being it's one of those things that's becoming like an Internet thing now. And so I think Meltzer will go, oh, yeah, absolutely. He'll pick it. (laughs) All right. So, Rossi, 2022 Rookie of the Year. What do we got? Pretty shitty year for rookies, I got to say. It really came down to two names for me here. Um, And I didn't really want to say Logan Paul because he only had two matches. 
um, even though the second match was fucking awesome, but still not around enough to deserve this. So three, I'm gonna, three you're right, three, you're right. Um, the, the Mania one, he didn't really do a ton. But anyways, uh, I went with Hook, um, and I know we were kind of down on him earlier, but I actually like the way that they slow played him because he definitely like is learning on the go, and they've kept him on Rampage and... You know, I was in they they were in Worcester in the crowd. The, I was in the crowd the night that he won the FTW title, and I thought it was a really fucking cool moment. Um, the guy just like everybody talks about how small he is. So's Danielson. So's Adam Cole. So's Gargano. Um, he just looks smaller um, because he's like he looks like a little boy. But the kid can go. The kid's entertaining. His matches for me for a little bit where my ctv when rampage never was i would always watch the show to see him um he's been slowed down they haven't really done a lot with him yet but like i said there's not a ton of rookie options this year like most of these people that like nxt would have debuted in 2021 um so and he debuted the tail end of 2021 like the last two weeks of the year so all of his work was in 2022 um i i really think he's gonna keep getting better I love watching Taz, you know, announce his matches. I think that's super fucking cool. Um, and, you know, I like to see him start to get involved in more, like, bigger picture feuds. Um, now he's getting tied in with Jungle Boy, it looks like. So I'm hoping that that can turn into some sort of, like, cool tag team to kind of get him on TV more. Um, I see the potential. I think that he has a connection to the crowd. I just hope that, you know, they while they slowly built him up to this point, I hope that 2023 is kind of like a full breakout for him. All right, let me throw a little counter there. Now, you don't want to vote for Logan Paul, but if we were to take the Logan Paul minutes in those three matches and then add them up, and then we took the hook minutes and added them up, I would all put my mortgage on my house, the equity in my house, that Logan Paul has more in-ring minutes than hook. So are we, are we going for quantity, or are we going to go with uh, just quality and entrances? Because uh, after the entrance, yeah, Hook moves around well, does well, but there's really no substance there. You know, you got Logan Paul has three matches, but, you know, he is over-delivered in all three of these matches with having little to no in-ring training outside of, you know, the MSK guys getting him ready. So I would throw a counter your way with, with uh with Logan Paul, I wouldn't be afraid to vote for him. And are we sure Braun Breaker isn't a rookie, or is it because he had? Yeah, I was September, gonna, September. Yeah, I was. Yeah, but his breakout. I mean, and I know that. I mean, rookie with rookies with baseball, you can't count September call ups. So right. I'm gonna say Braun Breaker. That's my. I mean, just the thing because, is, I think we gave it to him last year. No, last right? year it was Jade Cardgill. No, but I mean, did we though? Like I think on our pod we said Braun. Um, I forget who I went with. Um, I mean, but, wouldn't you just count NXT as AAA and give it to Solo as the best big main roster call-up? Perhaps, but I, he doesn't really have – he hasn't really had anything he, – he's been a part he of the indies. line. He's, he's worked a ton of indies, too. I, I struggle with guys like that being called rookies, you know? I mean, Braun worked like the indies a little bit, too, right? Didn't he? So, no, I don't I, know. Like, no, I think – I'm pretty sure he had a little bit of something, but I could be wrong. But I mean, just I mean, if you're just gonna count the main roster, it's definitely solo to me. Like the honestly, the other thing I was thinking too, and I don't even know when she debuted, was I thought Tiffany Stratton was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, she might low key most improved too. I but that. I don't know. Did she debut in 2021 or? Well, I think she was a part of that. You know, September October 
uh, NXT 2.0 re- reboot. That's when she kind of started floating around. Uh, past years here, 2018, Ronda Rousey, 2019, Jungle Boy, 2020, Pat McAfee. So uh, I think that Logan Paul is, you know, warranted enough within with that list right there. Uh, yeah, I would say that that's probably where they're going to go. But if it's you weird... want, I would go. Yeah, if McAfee won. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to give it to. I give it to Braun Breaker. I was gonna go Logan Breaker and then Hook, just based off Buzz. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Breaker ain't a you know you ain't got to twist my arm much to go Breaker there. No, he's had it. He I mean 2022 was a breakout. No no pun yeah. intended. It's a breakout year for that guy. I mean, yeah. I I I for one thought he would have been called up by now, just because of his pedigree and everything like that. You know. Yeah. But they want him. They want him to develop. They don't want him to come up and fail. So it's about three years for him, not three months. You know. <laughs> All right, Rocco. Best non-wrestler for 2022, as we have a few categories left here in the B class. It's got to be my man, my uh, my ECW love, the the wise man Paul Heyman. Yeah. This is such a better fucking use of this guy than having Brock Lesnar call him names, right? And him just saying the same shit. Like mm-hmm. he's so good at acting. He's so good at facial acting in the background of scenes where like you're it just adds so many layers to that group. It's so cool. His dynamic with Reigns is amazing because it's the only kind of contemporary contemporaneous guy in the bloodline to him kind of as the other guys got elevated, you know, when Jay became his right hand man. But I still think Heyman's his number one dude, you know, like he's the the king's like guy that gets the dirty work done in the background. I fucking love Paul Heyman. I think he's the best. I am happy to see him in this really cool role instead of just wallowing with Brock and Brock being a dick to him. So it's got to be Paul Heyman. I 100% agree. If we were to get like a if we were like a first and a second vote and a third place vote, maybe I'd give like Pierce a third place vote because he does a really good job in his role of Jack Tunney 2023, but or or 2022, whatever year we are. But it, it's easily Paul Heyman. No, you know, if fans are but in my opinion. So good at everything he does, man. So good. Fucking man. When Uh, he gets involved physically too, it's amazing. Like it's like it's like a it's like it's like a player getting into that next gear. You know, he starts getting manic on the outside and doing shit. Oh my god, it's so good. Nothing he touches is bad, in my opinion. Yeah, he's the fucking man. And like, like I think we've discussed this, where it's like one day when we find out who the mastermind of this amazing bloodline shit is, it's gonna be Paul Heyman, right? Yeah, his fingerprints are probably all the fuck over it. Elliot. Any other curveballs before we move on to the next one, guys? I, I want to give a shout out to Regal because I feel like oh, he, yeah. pos- he positively impacted that that their programming whenever he was on. I thought the Blackpool Combat Club was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good way to introduce Uter into a bigger level, which I'm all for. Um, and you know, think of when he debuted. He debuted and then put um, Danielson and Moxie together. Um, let that go throughout the rest of the year, and then on his way out, he went out on his back, um, which helped the MJF character. Um, kind of turned, start his title run with a bang to an extent. Um, was convoluted because obviously it looked like they were going with a story that they never could have paid off. But <laughs> I thought Regal did a really good job in performance of, of everything they told him to do. And uh, give some love to B- Billy Gunn, too. He's awesome in the acclaim. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And that Billy, that Ass Boys acclaim feud was, and that pairing was fantastic all around Billy. So give give Billy some love, too. I think my, my pick is is Regal. I think Regal Regal kills it, killed it, kills it always. So I'd go Heyman, Ass Man, Regal. 
Well, I'm an ass man. Okay. All right. The biggest, the last category here we have here in the B class is the biggest box office draw. And two names come to mind. One being the pick, one being Roman Reigns, and two being the AEW pick, and that is CM Punk. Um, ratings and buy rates have gone down since he's left. Uh, I think that's a testament to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's I think he's just money. Um, I, but I think the biggest money player of them all is Roman Reigns. You see it in the ratings. You see it at the you know you just see it everywhere. Uh, if we're talking merchandise and buzz, Bray should get a little love too. And also, if we're talking merchandise and buzz, Becky should get a little love, too, as things have ticked up when she puts her fingerprints around it also. So it would be them. And then if Cena popping in for that week and then this week here, um, his name is 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 a is a money drawing name also, too. Mm. So uh, those are the names I'm throwing around. But the answer is. Roman Reigns, biggest box office draw. Yeah. You could just say the initials WWE as well are the true draw for WrestleManias and things like that. Yeah, that's not wrong either. But, you know, with that included, whenever his name's around it, it gets, you know. Yeah, no. I guess Triple H being named Booker might be the biggest backstage (laughs) box office draw in a long time. right? Hey, it it made the stock go up. Yeah. I'm also going to say I want to give NXT a little shout. I think Mandy Rose kind of kept that show together um, and kept the interest in that level high. Um, Because Braun had his ups and downs this year, for sure. Um, It felt like Mandy was the linchpin to get those, you know, Midwestern, you know, 60-year-old perverts watching the show. Um, But one thing we can give Mandy in 2022 is um, wrestling's most valuable asshole. Yeah. Yeah, she, uh, that asshole does draw some money. So you're not lying about their biggest box office. So you do think, I don't think her box is that big. To be real. (laughs) To be true, guys. But But the more important thing is that it's not Brian Knobs' asshole, right? Oof. Oof. <laughs> Where's Jake Williams when we need him? Or his balls. I've seen that, too. <laughs> All right. So 2021, biggest box office, MMA, Conor McGregor, and then pro wrestling with CM Punk. So there we go. So that's kind of the same sentiment that I have this year. Uh, Punk has been shown to be a draw. And then Roman Reigns on the WWE side, I think, being the biggest of them all. All right, so Class A, we're going to all give our opinions here, guys, and then we're just going to burst through this as we're towards the end. The most outstanding wrestler, the best technical in-ring wrestler, the Daniel Bryan Award, we'll call it. Keith, let's go in the same order here. Who is your best in-ring wrestler for 2022? Um, I went with AJ Styles. I think that he's had a resurgence in quality of matches. Uh, He's a ring general. He makes everybody look better when they're with him and I he is a joy to watch and I love him and everything he does whether it's singles tag team he's in a battle royal he's in a rumble he's in this that the guy's amazing so AJ Styles uh just give our pick and then we'll go over the our discussion Rossi who you got next uh Will Ospreay I, I really don't know how it's not Will Ospreay we look at the resume of the year um the guy was was putting five star matches on the board um, in indies, um, on the main level of Tokyo Dome, um, to, you know, that Forbidden Door show, um, and then, you know, Rev Pro, the guy, wherever the guy was, he was putting on a banger. Uh, New Japan Strong, it didn't matter. Um, guy had an awesome year. Um, he had a year that really kind of 
built off the first half of his 2021 when I thought his first six months of the year was enough for him to win this award then too. He had a better 2022. Um, the guy's fucking awesome. The guy's a superstar. Um, him and him and Omega are about to tear the roof off the dome again. Um, and ultimately, I can't really see this guy not winning this award. Uh, Rocco? I guess I'm going to go with the namesake of, of DB because every time you watch him, it just is like fascinating to watch him. And uh, just uh, I'm going to go with him. I don't think he had the greatest. I think he had too much Jericho in that year for me. But I'm just saying, if you're saying just his technical wrestling guy, yeah, I got to go him with Claudio like real close, man. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the same street as Rossi here, Osprey. Just watching him live, being literally hands on the apron, leaning on the the ring the whole time, going one-on-one versus uh, Nick Wayne in Providence. Uh, just the guy's unbelievable. Uh, so I might be cheating a little bit there, but just the same sentiment that Rocky said. Everything he, Rossi said, everything he touched was gold. And then just to go out there with Orange Cassidy, and no slight against Orange Cassidy, he is a good in-ring wrestler for sure. But just the, the match they put on it, the pay-per-view of the year, Forbidden Door. So um, I'm down, I'm going on the Osprey train there. Just like in one calendar year, he had like a four and a half star plus match with Brian Cage, um, Nick Wayne, who's 16 years old, um, Okada, and Dax Harwood. Blake Christian, John Moxley, like it's crazy. The variance of guys that I just named and like what they can do in a ring is is crazy different. Ishii, um, it doesn't matter. Osprey is the best, in my opinion, best wrestler in the world right now uh, because he can pull the best out of anybody in the ring with him. And then low key on a WWE scale, uh, Riddle. He just had a great in ring uh, year. I tracked the top five matches of the year. And he was constantly in there having the best one, some of the best TV matches with Chad Gable throughout the year. Uh, he was given a lot of chances to go out there and have the best matches of the year, of the week, excuse me. And he delivered pretty much each and every week. So uh, I'm not going to pick Riddle. I'm going. I am going personally with Osprey, but just to give a little WWE love there to Riddle. Okay. All right, All right guys. So. The next category we hit, the next class A category we have here. Oh, geez, let me go. So last year, the most outstanding wrestler was Shingo Takagi for New Japan Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So that's that. All right, so the next category we have here is Feud of the Year. Keithy, what do you got for Feud of the Year? I have the Jericho Appreciation Society versus Blackpool Combat Club. Okay, so just Anarchy of the Street Fight. Mm-hmm. And then you don't think it went a little on a little bit too long, but that that peaking there at was that all was that double or nothing or all out? No, that was double or nothing. Double or nothing, wow. yeah. That was that started at double or nothing and it went all Jesus Christ! I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty long. <laughs> but you don't think it was just it was that everything they did was just they had bangers all the time and I know they they spread it they they built a bunch of guys it's it's not the worst pick in the world I'm just busting your balls but that that anarchy in the arena match was was fucking awesome <laughs> it was bloody it was chaotic it was it yep. was it was just awesome yep not enough love goes to that match it's forgotten about all right uh Rossi feud of the year all right I'm gonna go MJF and Punk um Match quality was strong to very strong, we'll say. Um, I don't think anything was like a, like a blow-away, can't-miss match. Maybe the dog collar one was, 
But the storytelling and the build to this was just so sensible. It was like can't miss TV from, you know, the picture of Mox with Punk. I mean, the, I'm sorry, the picture of Max with Punk when he was a kid. Um, they just, you know, you know, going back to the old, you know, punk storylines and, and, you know, innuendos and shit from ROH that were like intricated into the story. The show that somehow MJF got him to feel bad for him. So then he hugged them and then Max beat the fuck out of him, made him bleed all over the place. Um, the entire thing I thought was just awesome TV. It was, it really was the first real feud that Punk was able to sink his teeth into. So by nature, it was going to be great because I feel like that's what CM Punk's at his best when it's a, a drawn out story that he can put his creative mind to it, mix that up with Max and just work so good. Um, the promos, the drama of MJF winning the title in Chicago. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not winning the title, just winning the match in Chicago. It felt like the, it was a feud that Punk really needed to reestablish himself, you know, as a, hey, I'm back. Um, and it worked. Um, unfortunately, I feel like it still had legs, too, if they were able to come back to it, um, you know, after Punk won the title, like they were thinking about doing around All Out. But obviously shit happened that kept that from happening. But I think this is feud of the year. Rocco? I'm going uh, Bianca and uh, Becky. Um, technically started in September of SummerSlam of last year. But if we're going to just start with the beginning of the year, you just have uh, Bianca's of like winning the chamber, uh, driving, you know, winning, having the, the, the my favorite match of Mania. Becky loses her fucking mind. She tries to win it back at Hell in the Cell. She can't win it, and it culminates at SummerSlam when Becky is at full insanity. It breaks her brain. She becomes, uh, she gets appreciation for Bianca. We get the cool like damage control thing. That's not really part of the feud. But then at the very end, she comes and she befriends <laughs> Bianca to fucking destroy the bad guys at the last pay-per-view of the year. I think it's a really cool story and a feud that ends with a uh, resolution, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So hmm, I don't know if mine's necessarily a feud or a set of matches. And I have two. Uh, the first being FTR versus the Briscoes. I'm not necessarily sure if it's a feud, but Jesus Christ, is it ever a blood feud with, you know, three fantastic match of the year contenders. Um, I had the same but, problem with that as well, Brian. So is there necessarily a feud when the Briscoes aren't allowed on your TV to continue <laughs> this? So I don't really necessarily sure if that's like my feud of the year, but my feud of the year, it's just tough. Then again, my other one is like, is the bloodline saga a feud? <laughs> you know what I mean? So storyline of the year is the bloodline, but we'll get to them later. So I was thinking, I was like, all right, well, what really culminated and built and delivered constantly? And to me, it's Cody Rollins. Um, it's just you had four, fan, three fantastic matches. We're probably going to get a fourth so that we haven't put a, a bow on it. Um, you know, the story of just the conquering son returning to win the prize for his father but he returned to an open challenge and he was overshadowed, which, you know, caused Rollins to go out there and just be wonky Rollins. But it was focused Ronky Rollins. And when Rollins is focused and has a gripe and can sink his teeth into whatever off kilter character he has, he does a fairly decent job of delivering within that structure, within the structure of his I hit and miss character and then just Cody you know coming home and 
you know, it, this is Rollins was the start of his journey and then he's Taurus Peck. And then just having it culminate at, you know, Cody was proving to Vince that, you know, I can be a top guy. And then training for this Hell in a Cell match, he tears his tricep off his fucking bone and the hematoma of it, the visual of it all. And then, you know, that was a thing at Hell in a Cell. And then just the night after with, you're like, oh, they embraced it. And Rollins is going to turn heel. I mean, Rollins is going to turn face. They're going to do the right thing. Cody, we'll see you at the Rumble. And then you're back. But it's Rollins' time. And then Rollins just that, with that dastardly angle of just, like, turning on him again and sticking that fucking sledgehammer right in his chest. And it's just it's just so well delivered and, and played out and whatever. And... I can't really go with FTR and Briscoe's because was it a feud? I can't really go with Roman and the bloodline because it's more of a storyline than a focus feud. So I guess it's Cody and Rollins. Hmm. Okay. I can, I mean, I, I, I would almost go with you because, huh? I was, those are the two. I mean, I ended up going MJF punk, but, Though that was my other thought. I liked. I love the code. I love the MJF Punk stuff. I love the Bianca and Becky stuff. I thought that was a really well told story for a year long feud. Really, SummerSlam to SummerSlam, um, and just I really like the character work from Becky within it. Uh, I don't know. It's just. It's just hard. It's just a lot of good stuff. You know. The FTR Briscoes is great. Like it's the it perfect really point where it's like what they just could. There was. If it, they had the possibility, because they're all good promos too, you know, and they're yeah. different. They're such different teams. You really could have got into some crazy shit, and it just you just gave us three like fucking amazing matches. But it's probably but not a it's feud. Right? are like they had like three other feuds going on. They got the Ass exactly. Boys. They got the Acclaim. They got you know the Bucks on the end. So like then they got Dax is doing his thing. So it's never really focused. It's like but so it's is that your feud of the year besides three outside out yeah, three good matches that. You know, no one really saw live, <laughs> you know, so it's hard. All right, guys, uh, the next class A category we have here is best promo. Keithy, who's your best promo for 2022? Uh, best promo I have is the <clears throat> Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho face to face on Dynamite in February, February 23rd, to be exact. Wow. All right. I don't remember that. <laughs> Do I? I mean, you can go back. It's a back and forth. It's uh. It it's, sounds amazing. I'm not gonna lie. Oh no, it's go back and like check it out. Dynamite, February 23rd, 22. Just put Eddie Kingston, Jericho face to face. It's fantastic. I mean, it's just it it really makes it, it it it. I know probably everybody's gonna pick the MJF Punk one, and you know, and that's fine. But to me, something is. Something speaks to me about Eddie Kingston, you know, the character of Eddie Kingston, and I, I loved it, and I love Jericho. I mean, give Jericho a microphone any time of the, any day of the week, <laughs> and twice on Sunday. I mean, the guy's amazing on the mic. So, you know, just the speaking of 2020 feud of the year, Kingston Moxley, 2021 Omega Page. So just mm-hmm. to put a bow on that, because I constantly forget. Rocco, or excuse me, Rossi. Who is your? Who is your? promo of the year now so is it, single is it, promo is it single promo or is it overall best promo like i think it's overall best promo that's how i how i read it but is that how you guys want to go well, about i'll give it? you an, i'll give you an answer well, let's do the single promo because i feel like if body of work promo you're probably gonna say mjf i mean yeah that was my answer so i mean let's just say single promo because i got one kind of on deck 
Um, I thought the fucking I rewatched it today because I was unsure. The Cody return promo on Raw was yeah. fucking awesome. Um, and I want to give like I just think the way that he was able to keep it together when he was talking about his dad. I mean, it was just fucking awesome. Cody had a great promo too on his way out of AEW before the Guevara ladder match that I think is worth talking about. Um, singular, see, to me, it's tough for me to pick like a single MJF promo because there were so many good ones and they all kind of similar. Um, but one, uh, another one I want to give a show to is the, the um, Dax Harwood uh, one when he was talking about his daughter. Like that came out of left field, but it was like enthralling stuff. Yeah, that's the first one that popped into my mind. The fight like an eight year old girl one popped into my head immediately. Yeah, so under Meltzer's categories, it's the best interviews, so the best interviewer of the year. Uh, 2021, MJF, 2020, Kingston, 2019, Jericho, and so on. So, you know, that's it's not like pigeonholed who, you know, best promo from, you know, a Dynamite in February or whatever. Yeah, I want to throw throw Moxley in there because I think Moxley's great at – he could stand in the ring. Or he could do a like 30 second in the back promo and it's they're both like perfect. You know, he doesn't need a long whatever you give him. He's he nails and he always seems 100 percent genuine, 100 percent real. And uh, I just always believe his promos and think they're really good and just spot on. Yeah. What was now does Moxley qualify when he returned this year from rehab and he told the guy in the fan to shut the fuck up? Was that 2022? Because that was that was. Yeah, that was. January. That was. That was awesome, and he, his other promo that was awesome was when he had to be the one that came out and broke up MJF the night, the Wednesday after All Out, um, because he was supposed to be on vacation, and the poor yeah, fucker the had face to come back, see, right? yeah. and he had to come and pretty much be the face of the company. He knew that he had to kind of swallow his pride and make up for other people's fuck-ups, right? Um, and he did his thing, and he cut an awesome promo that night, pretty much saying, hey, the company's going to be fine as long as I'm ahead of it, and... I thought that that was a really, really important promo for that company at that time. See, I thought when he called TK a total fucking mark was way better. <laughs> uh, that's the thing with him. He always seems so genuine. So when something's going on in the ring, he reacts to it like a normal person would, not like pro wrestler acting. So I think that's really cool when he does that shit. So two would be overall MJF for me. And then just to give on a singular one, uh, that Chicago Raw where, where uh, KO came out to the stone cold music and then just did the stone cold mannerisms and really hyped that up. And we're like, Oh my God, this match is actually happening. Happening. So that's a, that one right there. If we're going to say single segment too, it's yeah. gotta be the Sammy one when they're like, um, you're not very oozy. Like that was probably the one segment I watched more than any other this year, because every <laughs> single time I watched it, I laughed. He cracks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's plenty to go from, you know, you can't you can't really go wrong with any of them, we, we said. All right, the next category we got here is Tag Team of the Year. Um, Keith, who's your Tag Team of the Year? Uh, I mean, they, looking through, and I did a lot of, like, thinking about this, and they came out just over the edge as the Usos, and they just edged out um, FDR, I mean... It's the Usos overall. I mean, and I know that they're just in the they're in the middle of this historic title run, and then the main they have a main storyline because they're it's the main storyline in wrestling right now is the Bloodline. So I mean, you can't go wrong with with picking them. Yeah, you're you're really not wrong. I don't I don't know. I think there's like four or five names that we may be able to answer, 
but it, you know, we're not. We I don't think we're gonna go outside of these four or five. No. Uh, Rossi, who do you got? I I really wanted to pick the Usos, but I, I couldn't not pick FTR here. Um, I was I was never a huge revival guy. I liked them. I thought they had cool matches, um, but I never really got it right. It was just like too old school for me when they first were like coming through AEW and stuff. But this year they clicked. Um, everything worked. Um, everything with them with the titles was awesome. It was the babyface run that we never knew was going to be great. Um, and it's been fucking awesome. Um, I mean, starting the year, they had a crazy tag match with Punk and Moxley in February. That was a three, four star. Yeah, that's pretty entertaining. Uh, the three Briscoe matches were the three best tag matches of the year. Um, they had an awesome match with the Bucks in Boston on a dynamite right after Mania weekend. Um, and then they did a five star in the UK with Aussie open as well. Um, then even the matches of the tail end of the year with the, they had a good match with the acclaimed um, that made the acclaimed look like a million dollars. And they had a fucking good match with the great O'Conn and, and Jeff Cobb. Like these guys were doing it everywhere. Um, ROH never becomes something anybody's watching the, on this Tony Khan form. If it wasn't for the FTR matches. So I, it's just, as a struggle for me to not pick them. I love the Usos year, but I feel like the Usos had like maybe three or four, like must see matches. But for the most part, they were more of like pushing storylines along as part of the bloodline than they were like in ring, where FTR in ring was the was really not a ton of stories. It was just going to matches and, you know, having the match of the night. Yeah. Uh, Rocco. Uh, FTR, agree with everything Rossi said, naming the matches. And the USO thing is like the, the, the bloodline was important. Their tag titles didn't seem as important as being in the bloodline. Uh, how many times can you watch them straight fight the Street Profits in a really cool match? But it didn't always seem like the most important thing. So, yes. Uh, also, to kick uh, FTR's Dax solo run was pretty amazing. I don't know if you want to count that. Their yeah. music fucking rules. And uh, they also did crazy shit like fight the Rock and Roll Express and the American Wolves and um, <laughs> just crazy shit like that going on, which is always really cool. And uh, I just, I do wish that Motor City Machine Guns match at All Out was a fucking tag, not a six man. That would have been uh, really cool. But yeah, I just the Briscoes alone. Those matches are like next level. <laughs> like, so yeah, gotta give it to FTR. You're not. No one's touching FTR here or the Usos. So it really depends on what you're looking for. I don't match resume wise. Um, it's 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 going to be. FTR, but the Usos resume is nothing really to sneeze at. Um, I, I pulled up here. Um, I'm going to go through it in a second on all the Usos, but I have the Usos, not Jimmy and Jay in separate. The Usos uh, making the top five of match of the year of the week so far for uh, 21 weeks out of 56. So that's mm. that's that's a lot of volume. And I know Jimmy and Jay had quite a few where they were in singles matches. So I would say half the year, the Usos on WWE TV made the top five, you know, a half of the year. That's And then both of these guys have the most wrestled matches within the WWE. So they are constantly, constantly relied on. But if you go, if you oh, high watermark, no one's touching FTR. No. Uh, and also a name we haven't mentioned here. Is the acclaimed? You know, the, you know, they they get the bronze medal probably here, if not the Briscoes. The Briscoes or the acclaimed, they're gonna get the bronze medal here. Um, you just just to come up and got, kind of out of nowhere for the acclaimed too. TK's that's a two individuals TK put together while hiring hiring them. It's like I like this name and you guys fit, 
and then they just gel together. I think Billy Gunn helps them immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they're super entertaining, and they had a great match too against Keith Lee and Swerve at All Out. So match of the night there too that was overshadowed by the shenanigans. But um, so just a little love to those four teams. Um, but here here are some of the matches that I have for the Us- for the uh, Usos. Day one, four and a quarter against the New Day. These are just over four. Um, four and a quarter, Bloodline versus RK Bro and Drew at Backlash. Uh, four and a half, Usos versus Street Profits, Money in the Bank. Four and three quarters, Bloodlines versus Riddle and the Street Pro- Dawkins. Uh, Riddle and the Street Profits, Four Stars Brawling Brutes at Crown at uh, on a SmackDown, mm-hmm. Four and a Quarter on a SmackDown, The Usos versus The New Day in November, and Four and Three Quarters Blood uh, War Games. So those are all the four star matches that I have from The Usos this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at either. But resume wise, FTR kind of kicks them in the dick a little bit. No, and I think and I think a part of that too is it's the weakness of the Raw and Smack or the WWE roster as far as tag teams go because FTR went out and they went out and fought teams. You know, they went out and looked for teams to fight whereas the Usos are just going up against whoever's in the company and that's yep. a, that's a main difference right there. Yep. So, mm-hmm. Now, also not on the same scale, but I want to give a shout to Pretty Deadly too. They yep. kind of came over to the U.S. with not a ton of fair, fanfare, and they've done really well for themselves. I mean, their matches are entertaining. That match of the New Day on that last uh, pay-per-view was fucking awesome. Um, so I think that they just – obviously, they're not going to win this award, but I just wanted to give them a shout. Yeah, we'll give them fifth place. You know, Absolutely. They have a nice little resume within the NXT structure, too. Uh, Creed Brothers, too. Um, those are – you know, the, the WWE are in good hands. You know, honestly, hopefully we get an Usos – revival match this year i wouldn't rule that out and i'm low-key rooting for it uh, i think really quick i think that there's a there's a wwe plan for tag teams because it seems like they're keeping gargano with tied to the miz until chop is back yeah ultimately get those guys together then if you get ftr over you still have the street profits then you can bring up some of these nxt teams you're in pretty goddamn good shape at that point you still got the new day you yeah they're you're in really good you got oh hit rogue come on now um imperium Imp- yeah, Jesus, Imperium. All right, uh, so the last two years, the Young Bucks won 19, the Lucha, Bro won, Lucha Bros won, and then from 18 to 14, the Young Bucks won. So mm-hmm. there is that. Also, love to Alpha Academy. They also had a really good year, too. Mm-hmm. RK, and we didn't even talk about RK Bro either. You know, they were Raw SmackDown champs for half the year. So, you know, Rid- you know, this is a ver- this is the blue bloods for the tag team division in a way too. Also, I, I just want to go I just want to go on record and say that my brother came up with the name of RK Bro, like way before it was actually said on television. Because <laughs> my brother, just, we were watching like the first interaction between Randy Orton and Riddle, and my brother was like, "Oh man, they could be called RK Bro," and I was like, "That's probably what they'd be called." And then sure enough, that's what they were called. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you wrote a letter like an old an old school letter they were like wow i think our uh our alexa was listening and sent it to, and <laughs> sent it over to she's gonna go off again and sent it to vince <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we got three categories left here uh that last one was close but uh these other ones are also going to be close woman of the year keith who is your woman of the year 
I, you sang praises about her earlier, Bianca Belair. That's it. It's the, um, the close second I went was with Thunder Rosa. And I think if Rosa didn't get hurt, I think maybe, but no, Bianca Belair is just, I mean, one thing I didn't, I, re- I didn't really want to say anything about her when we were talking about her beforehand because I wanted to save it. But I mean, she is fucking jacked. <laughs> it is crazy how strong she is. So, and I think while I loved her match against Becky, um, I think the best match that she's had in the company so far was the one against uh, Sasha Banks the year before. And I mean, she's just getting better and better and better every every time she gets in the ring. So I love her. I love her to death. I think she's fantastic. And and honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing her versus Rousey at like closing out like WrestleMania night two or something like that. I think that would be a good that would be a good that's the match. That's that's where Rousey gets her heat back. Yeah, that's a low key dream match in a way right there. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I heard from Dave Meltzer, Rocco, and he said he's going to name this the Rocco Martone uh, award. So um, <laughs> I think we're all looking forward to seeing what you got here. Who is the woman of the year? Well, you would expect. I mean, Oscar is my favorite and uh, she deserves more. But if you're going to give it to anyone, you got to give it to Becky. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Bianca. Like you said, um, she had the best match of WrestleMania in a pretty goddamn good WrestleMania. And the all the the winning the elimination chamber uh hell in a cell she had that sick three-way the driving the becky crazy they throw her in there with a little feud with carmella it was fine it was a great fucking little squash match on a pay-per-view the SummerSlam thing was just such a great the whole thing was great uh, the, the, like that was one of the best SummerSlam openers of all time i think uh clash of the castle they opened that show fucking great and that's mostly like bianca's star power then they give her Bailey for a few months. That ladder match was probably one of the best, you know, it's one of the, it was one of my favorite matches of the year. It was rough. It was tough. Uh, she gets a last man standing match in a 200 degree fucking weather and kills it in that. And those matches are tough. And then she's in the War Games match. And she's the star of the War Games match when Becky, who might arguably be the biggest star uh, in the women's division ever, is in that same match. So she's the best. Uh, I want. She's in her John Cena period. I say this all the time. Her turning heel is going to be the most interesting thing when it finally happens, you know, because she's only been a heel in NXT and a face in WWE. It's very interesting. So they, once that division gets a little more fleshed out, you're going to see this Roman Reigns bloodline out, out, out type uh, heel run from her, I think. But, yeah, it's got to be her. All right, Rossi, I skipped you by mistake. Who is no, your it's one? all good. It, it was natural slowed. Um, so... You know, I just couldn't hold back on the Meltzer <laughs> renaming the year award joke. I couldn't. Bianca couldn't. Bianca had a great year, and I mean, I think she is probably the the one. Um, but at the same token, I start putting the matches together, and I'm like, Mania match with Becky, Triple Threat match with Oscar and Becky, SummerSlam match with Becky, and then it's like, fuck, Becky was right there with all of it. Um, the Bailey matches were pro were where Bianca wins it because Becky didn't have that second tier feud. Um, but even in war games, Becky had the spot of the night, the finishing spot. Well, even EO probably did, but it was the ending segment. So, um, of the bout. So the Bailey feud was kind of disappointing, even though the matches were good. I just feel like that was more so on Bailey though, than Bianca, Bianca kind of had a dud in the middle. Um, like the stuff with Carmella didn't really work, but that's again, not her fault. Um, Becky, if Becky was able to stay healthy for the duration of the year, then she would have had an opportunity to seal this uh, because she had a lot of pretty good TV matches throughout this stretch. 
Um, I mean, as did Bianca as well. But Bianca wins it, but don't – I mean, I don't sleep on Becky. Let's put it that way. Uh, to me, it's Becky. There's no evolution within the Bianca Bella character. Um, Bianca is great, and she should and will win this award. But I would push my chips for Becky. Whenever she's around, whenever she's on TV, the women's division feels upper. It feels more important. She's lived Liv's best match this year. She had a three-and-a-half-star match with Lita, out of all people, in the chamber. Um, she had a little decent match with Dewdrop. I was going to say, don't forget Dewdrop at the Rumble. That at the Rumble was, wasn't, was not nothing to sneeze at in a terrible spot with literally the crowd on fire. Uh, we, we forget that that Oscar Hell in the Cell match, that triple Oscar Becky, and Belair Hell in the Cell match. I had that four and a quarter. That match was unbelievably great. And under the that's the best up. match that was not the main event, I think, right? Yeah. So Becky's three, uh, Belair's best three matches happened to be with Becky Lynch this year, and just her star power and everything, just you know, brings that division up in my opinion. And then again, I don't want to disparage. Um, Bianca, I just wish there was a little more evolu- uh, evolving from Bianca instead of the hair twirling EST. Uh, and then hopefully 2023 with Triple H there, she starts to do that. Because don't forget, this damage control stuff with Becky, with Bailey, excuse me, is still a rerun from before ba- Bailey got hurt. So, you know, kind of let's evolve Belair. I think Belair will and should win this, but. I would make a strong case for Becky just because of importance. And she has a really good resume this year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could tell that you could say this is a really bad year for Liv Morgan. I disagree. I think this is a stepping up year. And at day one, I had that three and a half. And that's easily Liv's best one on one match. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think it's a coincidence that it was with Becky Lynch. You know, I just think she's awesome. I don't think it's just women's division, but booking of a top babyface is always interesting how they do it, and they 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 tend to go too clean cut, and that's the Bianca problem. Where like you're saying, there's not a lot of nuance to it. When they had Becky as the fucking man, it was the most insane thing in the world because they've never tried that in the women's and division it was at kind all. <laughs> Would you say it was rather organic too? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there just needs to be a little room and hopefully she's got some ideas to really evolve that character to something other than 2010 john cena right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right so the 2021 women mvp from stardom yutami Hitashia. perfect love it stardom is fucking awesome uh, <laughs> i just thought uh, i don't think we have stardom listeners that are here real quick where do you watch that they're telling, most of this stuff winds up on YouTube, but there is a stardom world, like there's an NGPW world. Okay. Yeah, they've got their it's a, it's a great thing to like to subscribe to for a couple months and just binge it. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And she was the number two top females in PWI. Yeah, she's fucking awesome. Yeah, and that might, might be a stardom person this year. This and this because Mayu Iwatani might win this year. Yeah. Hmm. That's the name that I knew that and then I didn't really know this name. All right, so guys, two categories left, the two big ones. 2022 match of the year, Keithy. Who do you got? I went with the men's uh, War Games match from Survivor Series. Awesome. Uh, and mostly for the ending. <laughs> the ending was fucking awesome. It, it was, was so good. Ah, oh, for story li- story telling wise, it was so good. I did a 12 minute diatribe on it two episodes ago. So if you want <laughs> to if you want to hear a love letter to that match, 
there, you know, go check that out. That's that'll be to my tomorrow's listening. So ex- expect a message from me on Facebook about that. <laughs> of course, Rock. Uh, Rock. Ah, fuck Frosty. Rocco, who do you got? <laughs> I do like that one, and uh, you know, Austin. Austin Owens. It's that mania fucking whole thing. That forty minutes was fucking beautiful. So <laughs> that whole thing, like everything counts. But uh, Bianca Bex was there. But I went uh, AEW. I went uh, Anarchy in the Arena. Uh, it's just such a fucking wild match. It was insane. It was, I didn't expect it to be that fucking good. Uh, th- I like that they took a, uh, the stadium stampede thing and just brought it up to a level of violence that it had not been seen. It was not treated as a joke. It was treated as just fucking insanity. Uh, not without like little nuggets of levity to it, which is how like you know a good movie, a good horror movie, still has a little comedy in there. You know, Breaking Bad still has some comedy. So. I just loved it. It was a fucking bloodbath. I almost knocked it down a little bit because there's fucking condiments in it, and that's always disgusting. But Ugh, fucking gross. Yes, agreed. But the image of Eddie Kingston might be one of the coolest images in wrestling this year of him walking down the aisle with the fucking thing. So, uh, anarchy in the arena for me. Rossi. All right, well, we're going to Japan. Um, Okada Osprey G1 Climax Final. Um, these two probably had the two best matches of the year, but the drama in this one which was to, it was the final of the tournament. The winner was going to get the main event, the Dome. Um, Osprey still struggling to get over that Okada hump um, and win his first G1. Um, and then Okada was looking to win his fourth one. Um, just incredible stuff. Um, Osprey knew he was desperate to beat Okada, so he pulled out all the stops. He hit, he hit him with a pile driver. Okada kicked out. Hit him with a high five flow and as a homage to Tanahashi. He kicked out. And then he hit him with a Styles Clash. Okada kicked out. Um, and then he was like, well, Omega beat him. So then he hit him with a V trigger and then tried to set up a one way angel. But Okada escaped it and hit a rainmaker. But then Osprey kicked out. Then when Okada eventually hit the second rainmaker, you just knew that it was that was the end of Osprey's night. And then he ate to three seconds. Um, this was a callback to Okada's greatest opponents while also showcasing Osprey is now probably his new next great opponent. Um, it was just an unbelievable fucking match. Um, and it was only like 30 minutes. So it wasn't one of those new Japan matches that has like a 10 to 12 minute lull in the middle of it. It was literally action from bell to bell. Um, a lot of more people probably watched their wrestle kingdom match, which was a fucking incredible match too. But this G one climax final, if you have not watched it, go find a way to watch it. New Japan world's cheap enough. You can probably find it somewhere else too. Um, it is an unbelievable match. These two guys, in my opinion, the two best wrestlers in the world. And, you know, I would watch this match every day if, if I didn't have other shit to watch. All right, guys. So I agree. It would probably be Osprey Okada, like you just talked about. But I only keep track of the WWE stuff. I have five matches at four and three quarter this year. And I have f- six matches at four and a half. Let's just go through it. Four and a half. We'll start with four and a half. I have the Raw tag from March. Alpha Academy, KO, and Seth. And the RK Bro, I have Becky Bianca from WrestleMania. I have the Street Profits Usos from Money in the Bank. I have Elia Braun Bait from Worlds Collide. I have Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns four and a half at Saudi, and I have Ricochet Gunther four and a half from SmackDown about a week or so ago. And these are three, four and three quarters. I have War Games. I have Gunther and Sheamus at the castle. I have Drew Roman at the castle. I have Brock Roman at SummerSlam. And I have Cody Seth Hell in the Cell. And my 2022 match of the year is 
Gunther Sheamus Castle. Ah. Uh. I rewatched it. It's just, it's the shortest match on this list. It's most impactful. It's not my favorite. My favorite would either be the SummerSlam match or the War Games, but I just got to go Gunther Sheamus. I think it's the best match of the year from WWE TV. All right. All right, guys. So now we're down the home stretch. We got one more category left here. And let's get it. Guys, Keithy, start with you. Wrestler of the Year, Total Package 2022. Total Package 2022, I went with John Moxley. I just think that he's start to finish. I think the guy is amazing. And, uh, I yeah, enough said. I think there it is, you know, Wrestler of the Year, John Moxley. Rocco? I agree, man. The pedigree is insane when you look at it. Like you said before, Punk FTR, the pay-per-view with Danielson, Anarchy in the Arena, Blood and Guts, Forbidden Door Tanahashi, um, all the little matches that he'll just have on a random Raw or a random Rampage, Brody King. Uh, oh, then he'll just fight Takashita or Roosh, you know, then um, and just what or Adam Page, that crazy fucking match. He almost fucking takes his head off. Then you even add in homicide on pay-per-view at GCW and like a very important pay-per-view that happens. And you throw in Biff Busick at Bloodsport and Tony Deppin and fighting Nick Gage. It's just an insane pedigree. And he's probably, you could say like Roman is the biggest draw and all that stuff, but Moxley really seemed to, if he wasn't around, it seems like this company could have been in a really weird spot. And he really was the face of a company that had a lot of turbulence in it. And like I said before, promo wise, he just fucking nails it every time. He's there for you in a technical match. He's there for you in a bloodbath. Like, I just think he just had this fucking insane year. And, uh, yeah, I fucking loved it, man. And then, like, yeah, and you could give him, like, a little thing. Like, oh, you go fa- fight Mance Warner on Rampage. And it's like a fucking, like, you know, I don't know, four-star match. You know, like, all those little things that are just – he's like a selfless kind of dude, too, which mm-hmm. seems really cool. Making guys also at the top, also just being like – like you said, after that crazy all-out, he's the first face you see, and he's like – all right, we're going to fucking steer this ship in the right goddamn direction, guys. Trust me. And he did. Rossi. I love I love Moxley. Um, I almost had him as most outstanding. If Osprey didn't exist, he was probably somebody in my top three because he did have a really good year for all the reasons you described. But I can't not say Roman Reigns here. Um, the guy, Bell to Bell, was the top jar in white wrestling. He's still the top jar in wrestling on December 31st, as he was on December 1st. I'm sorry, January 1st. Um, really fun rubble match with Rollins. Uh, again, shitty finish, but it was a fun match up until that point with the Shield callback. Backlash six man was fucking awesome. Um, his Mania match fell apart because of the bullshit that happened with the injuries. It is what it is. It sucks. But it was still him and the build to that that got them to that point. Um, awesome SmackDown match with Riddle, which made Riddle like really look like he's ready for the next level. Um, the SummerSlam last man standing match, the drama in that just over the top good. Um, he got a fucking four and a half star match out of Logan Paul in Saudi Arabia. I don't know. However, many people other than maybe Osprey, I mean, definitely Osprey that do that. Um, an incredible match with Drew at the clash where you really thought he was going to lose the title, but he didn't. And just the execution on everything they did down the stretch of that match was unbelievable. The war games is built completely around the story. Uh, but the execution from all of it there with him as the linchpin in the middle that they have to all please, that was awesome. 
all while being un, unquestioned biggest draw in wrestling, as we talked about earlier, he can impact the show. He's one of two guys in wrestling right now that can impact the show and make it must watch without even being in a match bell to bell. Um, and it's him and MJF because MJF's actually worked, worked less TV matches this year than Reigns did. Um, but overall, I, I have to go Reigns because he's in the spot that he's in for a reason. The guy's just so fucking good. TV with him, everything with Sammy has worked because of him. Um, I, I can't. I love Moxley. Um, I just can't. I couldn't get him over the Reigns hump. Yeah, this is easy. It's Reigns. Um, it's kind of really strong year for all three Shield guys. Uh, Rollins isn't going to get much love here, but he has low-key had a great year from a resume rise. If it's the Cody stuff, the the even the Reigns stuff early where he was just thrown into that match, making it work, coming out with the Riddle stuff, with that great promo with Riddle, and the uh, good good, good action throughout the summer there. He's constantly on TV. Now he's in the mix with Theory and Lashley in the UX picture. Nothing he touches bad. Um, he's just constantly upper, upper, upper tier stuff. So those three guys, Moxley, Rollins, and Reigns, really warrants... Uh, probably top three on this, but it's in my eyes, it's it's Roman. Uh, I'm not going to go over all the matches Rossi just mentioned, but you know, it, it, no, I don't really think from a marquee standpoint, no one's touching that resume. Um, from a quality standpoint, absolutely, um, Moxley went out there and delivered, but from a marquee standpoint, which I really think should be factored here. I don't believe anyone is going to touch Reigns here. Just look at the ratings patterns through the years here, through the year. Um, The rating patterns, uh, SmackDown has constantly gone up, where Dynamite has constantly gone down. It's the year of Moxley, and it's going down. It's the year of Reigns, and it's going up. Um, Sign, sealed, and deliver. I I rest my case there on that. But, you know, all three of these guys have been great, and, uh, you know, Moxley definitely deserves it. If he if he happens to get it uh, match of the year, guys, of course, I forgot last year's match of the year was the Young Bucks, Lucha, Lucha Bros in the steel cage. The most outstanding or not the most outstanding wrestler, the wrestler of 2021 was any guesses. Can we get any guesses out of you guys? Is it Omega? I was going to say Reigns. Rocco? Yeah. God, I have no fucking idea. It's Omega. Bullshit. But it should have been Reigns two years in a row now, in my opinion. Um, if Reigns doesn't get it this year, uh, it's it's not going to be Omega because he's he's you know, he's been gone for the better part of the year. Um, 2020 Moxley won it in a pandemic year. Um, so we'll see, you know, what the voters vote on. But I think it should either be Moxley or Reigns, and my vote would easily go to Reigns. I just think, just from a marquee and a, and a rating standpoint, and a and a buzz. Look, look at that. Look at like we talked about this this whole episode. The WWE is on the ascend, and the AEW is kind of slowly ticking down. And honestly, I'm a little sick of looking at John Moxley. I'm glad the belt's on MJF, and I think that it, that it's much more interesting based around MJF opposed to 
Uh, John Moxley, I think it was much more interesting based around CM Punk, but, you know, his injuries and suspension, blah, blah, blah. But Moxley's consistently there. He's just kind of a little dull, in my opinion, as a guy up top. But you can't take away his resume in this year. I think he's a uh, he should get the silver medal here. I think Reigns could get nailed a little bit on the beginning of the year. You could say the uptick in people also is the Triple H coming in. And if you look at his beginning of the year and his end of the year, the beginning of the year to me was a little weak with the Goldberg match, the Mania disappointing, Backlash was kind of just like a six man, and the Hell in the Cell, I don't think, and Money in the Bank, I don't think he was even on. So I think you could kind of nail him in the beginning. His stuff, you know, doing the promo stuff, being a pretty good, being an important part of, being the most important part of SmackDown is great and stuff, but I could see that being a knock on him is that the beginning of the year in the big matches were not the greatest thing. That he could have yeah, been doing. So that's a, that's where I could see it being a nail. The booking was a little tough, especially around WrestleMania, leading into WrestleMania. You had the COVID stuff, but at the tail oh. end of the last year with the Brock stuff and the beginning of this year with the Brock stuff was some of the best TV stuff. And, you know, this, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get the best blow off until SummerSlam and they got hurt in the match, both of them. So it wasn't necessarily the best showcase at WrestleMania, but the TV um, you know, having to rewrite it around COVID with him in day one, but um, they made it work. And the Rollins stuff was actually pretty good, mixing all the t- this, the the Shield stuff and whatnot. But um, yeah, another, the- de- another Devil's Advocate without Sammy. Like um, you're you're attributing that mostly to Roman, but Sammy made a lot more of that TV. Yeah, I think. but Sammy, there's no way in hell Sammy Vane sniffs the main event if Roman Reigns isn't there. Yeah, but I think segment-wise, if you're talking about the entertaining, and when you're watching, you're talking about that. If you're going to say, I want to watch a TV show, I think more people have been tuning in to see what Sammy's going to do with Roman. You still yeah. need the you still need the you Seinfeld. still need Roman, yeah. Yeah, but I think people are tuning in to see Sammy now more mm-hmm. than they are Roman at this point. The, Sam, yeah, the Sammy execution tough. next, yeah, the Sammy execution next to Reigns is definitely the top-tier stuff. Um, whenever Sammy's with the Usos, it's still cool because it's fucking awesome. It's the best storyline in wrestling. But the interaction, whenever Zayn says something wacky, I'm looking at how Reigns is going to respond. I'm not looking at how Jay Uso is, even yeah. though he's cracking up too. It's the Reigns <laughs> laughing that that's what pops you. That's what gets you ready to go. Yeah. And that's where it's at its best. He, I, the Reigns is Tony Soprano, in my opinion. You know, he, he He's the guy that makes it move right now. And of course... Could could Sammy one? I think Sammy's getting built up there to be potentially that guy in like a raw brand or something away from him once they split. But um, I don't know. It's it's Roman Reigns season. I don't think he's. I don't think there's much there. I just I just don't. I think Moxley. Every time I see him, it's like all right, I'm over this. But that's you can't deny his resume though. It's just well, the, one, the thing with Moxley is like so, and that's the I big mean, difference. Sorry. Is go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Say, if you're going to say matches, Moxley has matches, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So the I mean, resume, I'm just going that way, yeah. match, match resume is definitely Moxley. But the thing is, how many of those Mox? How well, just body, like like length. We're you talking, know? Get the 
you're, you're you're higher on Brock and Roman than I think I am. But maybe. but here's the thing: how many of those Moxley matches are gonna matter in two years? That's what I'm saying. That, Where like, all the rain Danielson, stuff, anarchy, blood and guts. Yeah, there's a match. handful. Those are all important. Full there's gear, definitely there's like a five handful or six that are really big matches. Definitely, definitely is. A lot of his best matches though are gonna be the stuff that people don't give a shit about two years from now because there's good matches on TV every week. They Where the rain don't stuff, give a fuck shit right now. That's yeah, the AEW problem, right? There's how awesome! What well, you're gonna be able to watch that War Games back, which is just centered around Reigns. You're gonna be able yeah. to watch that fucking SummerSlam match that had the tractor in it because of Brock, because yeah. of the Reigns portion of it. Um, the, that Clash match was might might have honestly been WWE match of the year if we really yeah, want to go brass tacks. Um, and you know, overall. The Riddle match, another one. I feel like that's where Riddle really went to the next level. And then, you know, God knows what happened after that. But it's just uh, the stuff is so much more memorable from him. Um, it's just, I don't know. It just and that's feels a lot like of different that, tears. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you guys about anything. But I'm also saying the presentation helps that, too. And that's the big age of problem. And WWE knows how to make him the star he is. Not that he he's not. Obviously, he's a major part of it. But that's the star making machine that they're so fucking good at. And AEW is not. He's a big star, and he's presented that way, and that doesn't always happen or translate on an AEW show. How right. is Danielson not the best wrestler in AEW? Yeah, he should be the champ. <laughs> That's a, he should be in this conversation, but he's not. I had I was I, I wrote him. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I grabbed it. I was like, let me check it out. And like Owens too. Like, what the fuck happened to his year? He got honestly. I feel like it was just creative because Sammy was supposed to team up with him maybe earlier, and it's just like, well, we can't take Sammy away from Reigns now. You know, it's a shame. He's in like two of the best matches of the year, but like, I don't like maybe the five way at day one, and that's about it. That was even in any other pay per view matches. I don't even know. Stone Cold. No, I'm saying that in the the Survivor Series, he was in two of the best of the year, but then he was in day one too. Yeah, and then he was in that Raw tag that I talked about earlier that was really good. I mean, I'm thinking more pay per view style, like. Seems like man, that guy should have been, I don't know, in the Daniel Bryan category right there. So, all right, guys. Well, you know, we're at the tail end of this. Uh, we'd love to hear your lists. We, you know, you know where to reach us. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you and what you agree with, and uh, who who you dis and disagree with. That'd be great, Keith. I had fun having you. Have you back yeah. anytime you want. You have fun talking. I had a blast. It was fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh. What are you going to plug before we get out of here? You're putting that beautiful Boston accent on a lot of voices, on a lot of uh, shows recently. Yes, I am. Um, I mean, you can always hear me on uh, GFA Live with Petey, and that's um, that's available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast. Um, and then I'm all over PTV. I'm all over Place to Be. I'm all over North South. Uh, I'm doing Making Mount Rushmore, um, Stream Lounge. I've been doing some Stream Lounges and... Uh, you know, we we just came out with on the multiverse of fabulousness. We just came out with uh, our version of December to Dismember, where we purposely booked the worst pay-per-view of all time. Uh, that was a really hard project for me because I'm used to booking a good show. Uh, so if you're interested in seeing just how shitty my mind can work, <laughs> please check that out. Uh, but that, yeah, no, it's uh, I'm gonna be around all over the place. You can always check out uh, Twitter. My Twitter is flounder824. And uh, check me out on Facebook as well. And that's usually where I start plugging all my shit as well. So, but thank you so much for letting me do this, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, anytime you want me back, you just ask. 
I have no life, so this is my life now. <laughs> You're a low-key whore, but uh, whore. whore. I'm a whore. I'm a whore from Watertown. Watertown. All right, I've been not, a, not originally, but I've been here long enough now. Yeah, you're not as tough as the Shrewsbury guys over here. So uh. Shrewsbury, yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> Rocco, what you got going on? Is your band playing? What's up? Uh, we're still writing for the new album, so that's a that's a, usually the end of the year that happens. So you pretty much just catch me uh, dressing up like Alistair Black and watching Stardom matches. <laughs> oh, well, I'm also on the uh, very recent Jenny uh, Position show. I, did, I believe Keith was on the, right before me. Keith, yeah, what did Keith do? Uh, the the newlyweds? No, oh, yeah. Kramp- oh, I, was, yeah. I meant Fody. Keith did Krampus and I did Black Christmas. There you go. Cool. Actually, right, I, 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 Jenny, we're going to do another freak out drive and I'm getting Jenny to do. Uh, we're going to watch Frank and Hooker. So. <laughs> featuring, <laughs> Patty, featuring Penthouse Pet Patty Mullen, who was the uh, WCW um, judge in that one weird uh, start game. <laughs> Rossi, what you got for us? Yeah, so um, on the network, we, me and Ryan did an interview with Becca and Alec Price as they previewed their um, Heavy Lies the Crown Beyond Wrestling main event uh, this weekend. And if you're listening to this, it's tomorrow. It's the, the day it came out. But it's a New Year's Eve first match of uh, the new year. So the ball drops, the bell rings, and then these two will destroy each other with weapons that were brought by the fans that are in attendance. So fans bring the weapons. One of the um, one of the trademark Beyond Wrestling matches happens every year um, as the clock strikes midnight and it's the first match of the year. So um, we were able to talk to both of those guys about it. This has been a very drawn-out feud that's culminating in this match. So I didn't do an indie segment this week for you guys because that indie segment is about, what, 50 minutes, Ryan, um, as we preview the show and interview both of these um, really awesome wrestlers. And it wouldn't surprise me if next year at this time we're talking about how both of those people, um, Becca and Alec Price, are signed to something somewhere making some money so um check it out while they're around i think that they are two of the brightest prospects in wrestling and it was really cool to spend some time with them get to know them a little bit better and um hopefully we're talking about um them on tv sometime in the near future absolutely and uh check out next episode as we kind of jump into 2023 and get kind of catch us back on a groove here as we lay out the royal rumble and wrestlemania season so that's always Something to look forward to, and I'm looking forward to it. Do it with you guys. Wasn't was that a little sentimental, Rocco? There, as that was I, really sweet. You actually have a human emotion, it seems. All right, now you're starting to sound like my wife. So. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, guys, thank you as always for checking out Clotheslines and Headlines, and we'll catch you on the next one. Drove up to Hillside Manor sometime after 2 a.m. and talked a little while about. Yes, the winner makes you laugh a little slower Makes you talk a little lower About the things you could not show her And it's been a long December And there's reason to believe Maybe this year will be better than last I can't remember all the time I tried to tell myself to hold on to these moments as they pass. 
And it's one more day up in the canyon And it's one more night in Hollywood And it's been so long since I've seen the ocean I guess I should now.